lunch tomorrow? And I said, no, I get lunch at school. I don't need pizza. And then on my way home, I stopped and said, can I have pizza for dinner? <laughs> so I had pizza. <sighs> I made that's pancakes good. for dinner. Mmm, that's Ooh, Vanilla um, pancakes. They were very, very yummy. And they were vanilla pancakes because I tripped as I was opening the vanilla. And instead of just a little bit, there was a whole lot that went in. So I said, hmm, I'm making vanilla pancakes tonight. Oh, Yay. So, I made cheesy beef dinner. Awesome. Which I basically got a recipe off the internet and changed it to what I had in the house. There you go. Very, very good. Recipes off the internet are awesome. The mm-hmm. Cooks.com, awesome place. There's this great meatloaf that we found one time, and you do brown sugar and ketchup glaze, and mm, mm. so, so tasty. See, I'm dealing with mostly microwave recipes right now. And welcome to Foodcast, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, yep. Well, my oven's dead. My oven's been dead for six months, and they finally, like, cottoned on to the fact that my oven's dead! <laughs> I haven't had an oven in six months that worked. Yeah, that's not good. It's really annoying. And the thing is super old. So, I mean, it's like it, it, my parents kept their oven in in, their, in my parents' house from the time they moved in when I was negative six months old to the time I was, like, 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. So, like, this, this sucker's old. Sounds old. It is. And I had to get oven cleaner and, like, clean it because it was nasty. Maybe that's why it didn't work. It was too dirty. No, I cleaned it and then it didn't work. Oh. But it was working when I was... So you it broke it. Mm-hmm. I did. It worked when it was dirty. Well, that's what you get for trying it. to clean it. Really? What kind of thing were you thinking of? Well, it was it was starting to die, and then I was like, hmm, maybe if I clean it, it will work better. Now, did and you make this decision before or after you became part of Puffwa? <laughs> after. Well, after. Well, that was your problem right there. Where's my... I'm not even plugged in right now. Hold on. So, no, the, the, the first sign that I was an unofficial Puffwanian was when I drove into the ditch. Mm-hmm. And that then I, I told Sue that night, like, Sue, I drove into a ditch! And I said, hmm, that doesn't sound like a good thing. No. <laughs> no, that's not what you said. No, that's sure not the first that's thing not that you what said. I said. <laughs> I said, welcome the to fir- Puffa. The first thing you told asked me was, were you listening to Puffa at the time? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Why would I think people would drive into a ditch by listening to Puffa? I don't understand. Because disaster never happens when people are listening to Puffa. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever. Our record with cars hasn't has it been like spot on shiny. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to start? Something. Yeah, I guess. We can. I just completely like. Uh, sorry, I was looking at Puffa. You reminded me so to look at Puffa. Oh, that's frightening. To go. Why is it frightening? To go looking at Puffa. Ooh. One of the top things that I go to. I get to meet Colin again. Maybe. Yeah, I, I heard. I saw that. That's awesome. And Darren's coming, but he's not coming to Portland, I checked. He's going to be, Darren Chris is going to be at the LA show and the New York show. I was just like, which, like, Darren? Darren? Like, because I have a lot of friends that that are named things like that. So Mm -hmm. I was just like picturing somebody completely different. I was like, how do you know this person and why are they coming to Portland? Oh, just because. All right. No, Scott. He's got an essay. Oh, boo. Boo on the essay. 
But good that he's in school. Yes. Okay. We'd prefer encourage you to better yourself. Yes, there you go. So I... <coughs> okay, I, I have too many damn windows open. I suppose if the phone rings, I'll have to answer it. Although, 613... If the doctor's office calls this late, then they could probably lump it. <laughs> I had a message to call them. I called. I asked for the person that they told me to ask for. They said, I'm sorry, she's busy. I s what is this about? I said, I don't know. You told me to call you. <laughs> I love that. I have no clue. It could be about physical therapy. Well, let me look. Yes, they faxed something to the physical therapist. I said, okay. <sighs> If that's what she wanted to tell me, then don't have her call me back. But if it's something else, have her call me back. So I'll tell her to call you. No, that's not what I said. If it's about physical therapy, don't call me back. If it's about something else, call me back. I'll write that down. I'm like, yeah, that'll work. So I called <laughs> physical therapy. They have no facts. They don't know who I am. Nothing. Uh, they said... Fabulous! They said... Do you think your doctor is going to send over orders? I said, I was told they did. She said, fine, I'll make you appointments. I'll call your doctor and get it straightened out. I said, thank you very much. So, and of course, the first appointment, oh, the second appointment I made, I may be at OMSI all that day chasing little kids. Oh. And then get back at 2.30 and have to be at physical therapy at 3 after having oh. walked on my knee all day. Ow. I don't think physical therapy would be very good that day, but we'll see. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I I I am <laughs> I have been through PT many a time, and I I will tell you that it depends on who you get. But if you get a good person, they'll really improve things for you. Yeah, I just I would rather have the MRI to rule out the torn meniscus because it's what mom's going through, and I'm having the same kinds of pain. Mm -hmm. And I hate to be doing all this stuff if it really is a torn meniscus and just making it worse. I mean, I don't mind doing the physical therapy. It's not a problem. Yeah. I tidied the living room today. That's about all I got. Well, there you go. It was fairly messy. Well, not messy, just there was stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. Boxes of stuff, bags of stuff. I tidied, yeah. I sorted, I put away, I moved around. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I don't know, because people's, is this the, I don't know how to say, is this the front room that we were in, or the room with the TV and stuff? This is the room with the fireplace and the birds, referred to as okay, the sitting okay. room. <laughs> oh, okay. that's not the right, the right phrase. With the living room, it and be the, bird the other room. room is referred to as the TV room. It's the bird room. See, the bird and room. I'm, I, I'm guessing that you're not in the bird room right now because I haven't heard them. I know. No, they've been put quiet. to bed. Aww. Aww. Poor little birdies. Mm -hmm. I got home today. So Bonnie's cut her paw pretty badly, and I took her to the vet yesterday. And they wrapped it up, and it's, it's bandaged up past her elbow. And the vet said, you have to keep it dry. We'll sell you this sleeve for 25 bucks, or we can give you... IV bottles that we've cut up, but they don't work very well. I'm like, give me the sleeve. So, and they said, and you're going to have to put an Elizabethan collar on her. I said, oh, I don't want to put a collar on her. So <laughs> mom left today to go do eggs. And I got home and Bonnie is flat on her side on the porch with her head out. 
and I walked over. She didn't move. I pulled into the driveway. It, you know, I gathered up my stuff. I got out of the truck. She never moved. I'm like, are you alive? And she kind of went, no. And I got to her and she was twitching. And I don't know if she was trying to get up and she couldn't do it with the collar on or what. If she was convulsing, I, you know, poor thing. She was just terrified. She just laid there from the time mom left, I think, until the time I got home. Because we put that nasty thing on her. So I got it off first thing. And she's been laying on, on the porch ever since. And I brought her in and took her boot off of her. Because I can't get it to stay tight enough that it doesn't slip down. She's like, she's like Mad-Eye Moody. <laughs> she's got this boot with this foot on the bottom. And it goes, clunk, clunk. And a fake when, eye. When she walks. No, she and she carries a hip flask every hour she takes a yes, sip. Yes, I was... I was mm. Sue, do you watch the Vlogbrothers? No. I know who they are, but I don't watch them. So one of them uh, had to put a boot on his dog when his puppy, like, broke his leg. Mm-hmm. And so the, all the, like, fangirls of these, of these guys were like, put an eye patch on him! <laughs> Like that's probably cruel for the dog. Like I don't think the dog really wants to have an eye patch on him when Poor he's got a broken puppy. foot. Poor puppy. Well, I can tell she's she's not in pain. They didn't give me painkillers for her because she's been walking on it. But you can tell she's just depressed. She's just laying around all the time, and it, it's got to hurt a little bit to walk on it. So, but we've got antibiotics now. Mm-hmm. I was I was really worried she'd get it infected or something, and we couldn't keep it clean, and we couldn't keep it bandaged she'd just walk out everything we did right but i wasn't bandaging it aggressively enough apparently i have to go halfway up the leg okay we've talked about everything i guess we can start huh i guess so it's just the three of us tonight huh just the three of us scott's got an essay haven't seen haven't heard from kelly she got a computer virus and she's been cut out of commission and trisha strikes again trisha's still got till next yeah, she's Wait, still training she, for the run. Training for the run. Must be on my birthday, the run. Maybe not. Maybe it's the day before. Mm-hmm. So, all so, right. Very good. For Friday, June 14th, this is episode 169 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, Ron. The next time you're... Previously on Potterfic Weekly... Where would you like to start, Sue? Well, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> that would be awesome! My resolutions for this Potterfic weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic whatever. <laughs> oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? Yeah. Okay, what did I miss? My Am I surrounded did. by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, <laughs> I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfit. <laughs> no, she's the poster child for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I, I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. <laughs> I think that's two, and that could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants, not oh. trousers. Potterfic Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> <laughs> but I was planning on getting grammar any time soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. 
You'll always laugh before the end Part of it we plead Where the story never ends Welcome to Potterfic. I can't say it. Welcome to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Sue. I'm Deathrow. And I'm Cat. And we are on our fourth part of say it. Vox Corporis. Thank you. I started it in my head and I was like, nope, not gonna work. Um by Misanthropic. And we are starting this one on chapter thirty one. Yes, we are, because we couldn't make it through all of it last time. Nope. But this is a, sort of a fun place to start. Mm-hmm. I had just a few notes for these last three chapters that we were supposed to cover last week, but we'll get to that. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to call attention to an author's note later on, and in which the author says that this is going to be her last fan fiction. Hmm. And I think... That's a shame, because this is quite a good story. And if this is the culmination here, I I think I want to go back and see some of the earlier stuff. Yeah. And, and if you if you look at um, her author's list, that's a lie. It's a total lie. Yeah? She's done a lot since uh, this. Her most recent has been... She seems to be in Supernatural a lot right now. Um, I say, this says she's the author of 141 stories. Good God. Yeah. Is it the last Harry Potter story? Possibly. I'm trying to find the Harry Potter stuff. It seems that, that this was does the, do it chronologically. Yeah, it does. So it seems that this was the last Harry Potter story that she wrote. Okay. So it's a half-truth. It's a half-truth. Yeah, I'm not even seeing Harry Potter stuff in here. It's It's like halfway down the page. Yeah, her her last uh, one is really recent. It was updated yesterday. Oh, good. I'm glad that Misanthropic is alive and well. I'm thinking she just switched fandoms. And happy in another fandom. Good, good. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's all good for nerds, you know. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter is the gateway drug to other really geeky things. There you go. And speaking of geeky, I'm just going to wreck a new... A new podcast. Ooh. So we'll do this while we're doing this. It is called Star Talk. I heard about this. Yeah, you told me about this. I have inhaled this. In the last three days, I've like listened to everything that they've put out. And it is by Neil Tyson. It's Neil DeBrassi, I think is how you say his name. Tyson. And they talk about everything under the sun. And the most recent ones have been... Actually, was recorded live in Seattle with Will Wheaton and several comedians. I love Will Ooh. Wheaton. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. He's been coming up a lot lately. So yeah, it was really it was really fun. And but they do things like they they've talked with Whoopi. They talked with uh, Nichelle, who was uh, 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 help me out, Lassie. Um, Michelle, who, like, I just, I Michelle didn't even hear the from, name. I can't tell Michelle you. Michelle Nichols. That's it. They talked with her. That one was really fun. They've talked about, and they talk, they talk about everything under the sun, including, like, cosmetics, and tie that in with stars somehow or another. And it's just, it's been really fun. How Pufuanian is it? It's not real Pufuanian. 
Okay. But it just, it hooked me. And some of them were better than others. They talked the Big Bang Theory. They talked about spooky science and paranormal investigations. He usually has one comedian with him and then a specialist in whatever field he's talking. Um, he's had Alan Alda on. He's had John Stewart on. They've talked about animals. Yeah, Susie Orman. Ooh, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye the Science Guy is on there all the time. He's got like this little one-minute thing that happens. So, anyhow. This looks perfect for me. And I know you recommended me uh, this to me like yesterday. And this looks... But that's okay. Like a lot of. Uh, I was I in the remember. middle of deba- <laughs> I was in the middle of trying to make Richard see the light about Star Stargate. It's fine, but I don't know. I just that was really a fun conversation it. too. I I seriously wanted it. Like if we had been having that conversation in person, I would have decked him at some point. <laughs> <laughs> he had her pretty fired up. I bet. I was uh, in a baseball game. I missed it a whole. You don't, you don't, n- n- never tell me that BSG is better than Stargate, because it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have Bill Nye the Science Guy, I had Mr. Wizard. Uh-huh, I had Mr. Mr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard was the bomb, he showed me how to step through a sheet of paper. Nice, and leave it whole? Uh, no, you have to cut it a specific way, but you can spread it out such that you can walk through it. Oh, yes, okay. I understand that. I know exactly. He showed me that the maximum amount of times you can fold any piece of paper is seven. Seven. Yep. I learned that on this show. Fold it in half. Right. Yeah. That was, in fact, I think that was in the last, that was in the last Will Wheaton episode. I remember there was one about um, how high can you pull water with the suction power of your own lungs. Mm -hmm. And they had this really long straw. (laughs) And it wasn't very far. No, I bet. No. Uh, human lungs aren't very powerful. Yeah, it will. And I imagine it would, you know, have to do with who, how big the person is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only so much you can pull when you're dealing with the weight of water and gravity and mm-hmm. physics. Tension. Physics. Yep. This is a fabulous we discussion. Immediately. <laughs> and welcome back to Potterfic <laughs> Weekly. I am Londo Malare of the House Malare. <laughs> oh, good. Londo's back. I've missed I, him. I'm once again Sam Carter. <laughs> How do you feel, Sue, knowing that you are surrounded completely... by insanity? Yeah, surrounded by Puffwania. Hey, your family. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, it's fun when we from the exchange come and visit. It is. It's like we're at the Olive Garden. We're I've been working Garden my way through there. season four, and Kat seems what? to be on all the time. I know. Oh, yeah, it, it's really interesting because <laughs> you just kept pulling me out of things, and I was just like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing anything tonight. Why not? <laughs> we're good at that. Uh, it's great. Let's see who's on. Give them 15 minutes of preparation time. You can do it. Hey, you and P.S. are our fastest readers. What can I say? Yeah, I was particularly impressed with that. I'm finished with my first beer, which is the Blue Moon Limited Summer Release Agave Blonde Ale, which is quite tasty. I'm finishing my Diet Coke because I did not have a second one today, and then I'm going to crack open the Guinness. I finished my bottle of Mudslide 
before I even came over because there was only a swallow left. Oh, I boo. was sad. There's no Mike's Lemonade? No, I'm out of Mike's. I've been out for a while. I'm waiting for it to go on sale again because that stuff's expensive. No, it's not. I need to go to the liquor store and get some Captain Morgan's because the mint is in season. So I can start making mojitos. Ooh, Ooh mojitos. Ooh. I make good mojitos. So have I told you the mojito story before? I don't think so. Tell me the mojito story. Well, the mojito story is back uh, many moons ago. I'm out after work at a restaurant with Catherine and our yes. co-worker, Elizabeth. I have heard this, I think. But it's go the ahead. mojito story. No, <laughs> no, the story's been told. It's a very good one. So, but that, it's on that, the podcast. It's on the podcast. That whole big long story yep. there is the reason why one of the signature cocktails at the wedding will be mojito. Yay! Yay! That's cool. I like hearing things about your wedding and the things that are going to be happening there. My wedding makes a lot of people happy, including me. Well, that's good. We want you happy. Well, I'm glad it makes you happy because it is your party and you are marrying Catherine, so... Yes, and it makes Catherine happy, too. Hey, that's the two most important people, so I think we're good. Mm-hmm. That is... Yay! 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 And in that vein, we have Harry and Hermione getting ready to go for a morning run, and that makes them happy. It does. Yes. I'd just like to call attention to the author's note here. In case it hasn't already become painfully obvious, I hate Ron. Hate him with the passion, with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. I know some of you think I've been harsh with his character, but trust me, not nearly as vicious as I'd like to be. This author's note was just to reach out to those Ron fans in the audience with this. Sorry, but really, I can't stand the guy. Oh, you, can tell she, you can tell she's holding back. Oh, yes. So much. But I, I will say for the set of chapters we read tonight, which is 31 to 42, mm-hmm. I really like the characterization of Ron through this. Yeah. I'm happy with it. It's good. It's a really interesting, I mean, I will confess to never, I never loved Ron, but I always understood where he was coming from. And this is one of those sets of chapters where you, the reader, can really just understand who he is as a person. You might not like that person, but you can understand where he's coming from. The thing, though, is the reason I like these chapters is because he's doing what I've always wanted him to do in stories, which is to grow up and to act a little mature and to think and pause and wait and hold his temper and te- just a little well, bit. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'd almost counter with immediately after he accepts that Harry and Hermione are going out, he immediately re- uh, starts ripping... Seamus uh, apart mm-hmm. and going after Ginny and Seamus about their relationship. So, I mean... Well, that's it, it, completely it, different. <laughs> no, no, no! I think it's completely he's, in character for him. And, but even as much as he does it, he's not completely over-the-board nuts about it. Yeah, but I, I mean... He's kind of over-the-board nuts. I, I would argue that he's not growing up. He's merely... Transferring? Yeah, he's transferring his uh, frustration to Ginny and Seamus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're not there yet. So we not have, quite. We have, uh, it's pre-dawn, and Harry's up getting dressed in the dark while Crook shakes, who has come up to be his alarm clock. He doesn't quite know how Hermione's convinced the cat to come wake him up every morning for his run, but 
that's what the cat does. Cat does it's not need to be convinced. idea, I guarantee, because I'm he gets sure. a treat. Yeah. He's trained his human to give him a treat if he goes and gets Harry up. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's getting ready, and the cat's getting impatient, and he... <laughs> Harry's like, shh, quiet, you're going to wake everybody up, because it's like a bombshell in there, because it's all sleepy. Everybody's asleep, and then Ron rolls over and accidentally and bops Crookshanks on the head. And, he and gets clawed. Big time. <laughs> and he's still asleep. He has no idea what's going on. He's like, what? Rah! You know? And he throws the, his pillow at the damn cat. And the entire dorm wakes up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, you're just mental. Why are you going out before breakfast? You go running. I, I knew when you were running before it was crazy, but this is insane, mate. Uh-huh. They have, they have plans. They're, it's a good idea, and I like this plot device. I guess is the words. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's the return of the Hogwarts Jogging Club, and well, it's just also, the two of them. I don't know. I think it's also, I mean, as as the quote unquote athletic one of the the three of us, like getting up at five a.m. or six a.m. depending on your schedule. To go for a 20-minute run and then lift weights for half an hour is usually the best part of my day. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's kind of like in Legally Blonde, how Elwood is just like, you know, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Like, it, it's just, you then, tr- you know, are launching into your day a lot happier and more optimistic than, you know, getting up at 8 a.m. and doing whatever. Well, that's not what I was actually talking about. What I was talking about is they figured out the rules. You can't be out after curfew, but you can get up oh. as early as you want to in the morning. Which that never brilliant. occurred to me. Which is great. I love this idea. It's and a I, loophole. And trust Hermione to find the loophole. Right. Hey, mm-hmm. Because she's a tribal warrior. We're not supposed <laughs> to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning if we stay up all night. But hey, if we're waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, we can go jogging. You know. <laughs> And I'm sure it's not quite that early, but it's some unfortunate hour. <laughs> Probably like five. So they head yeah. out and they... But, but imagine, though, if they got up that early and they could go... I know it doesn't happen in here because there's no prefects, but go to the prefects' bathroom that early? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a romp in the bath. Out in the bath there's in the castle. The, um, you go to bed at like 8, 8, 8 p.m. and then mm-hmm. you get up at midnight for like a, a midnight release. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, I'm not going to bed, you know, I'm not staying up all night, I'm getting up at midnight. <laughs> yeah. So, what they've done is they they start their jog, and then the minute they're out of sight of the castle, they veer into the Forbidden Forest, and they change into their animal forms, and they're basically getting used to them. They're getting used mm-hmm. to the way they move, mm-hmm. they're getting used to all of that, and they have no fear. They have nothing in the forest to fear. Yep. They and they've managed to transform with their clothes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and, I mean, I just can't, like, I, I understand why the author is giving them these animagus forms, but, like, they're just too cool. Like, who doesn't want to be a panther? I want to see Harry the Hippo. Well, can you imagine the marauders doing the same sort of running through the forest? And oh, yeah. you've got a giant dog and a stag and a werewolf. Yeah, and Peter, romping through the forest, and Peter's on one of their heads. Yep, 
Peter's holding on with his little furry. It's the same principle. (laughs) Speaking of Peter, I have a little kid today. He's like, Teacher Sue, we have a rat at my house. (laughs) Okay. So me, I live on a farm. We have rats everywhere. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you get a cat or a, a mouse trap, a rat trap? He's like, no. We have to wash our hands before we can play with it because we could make him sick. I'm like, oh, it's a pet rat. I got it. Oh, it's in a cage. I'm like, okay, so let's not kill him then. <laughs> he told everybody to walk in the room. I have a rat at my house. But he didn't say, I have a pet rat. He's like, I've got a rat at my house. Like, I would say, oh, man, there's a mouse in the kitchen again. Where's the cat? You know? <laughs> So, but yeah, I can see Scabbers holding on to probably James's because it would give him the best vantage point. Those antlers mm-hmm. up in the antlers, hanging on for dear life with his tail mm-hmm. wrapped around. I want to yeah. see some fan art of this right now. They're probably I I've seen it. I've seen it, like hanging by his tail from the antlers. But I'm, <laughs> like I'm just enter- I'm, I'm entertained by the concept of Harry the hippo. Yeah. <laughs> Because the, I mean, it's something about the alliteration, and I can just see like Padfoot's reaction to finding out that Harry's a hippo. But you know what? Hippos are mean. Hippos are mean. But I want to see Harry like, the flying squirrel. I just want to oh, see. I'm sorry, that's Bob. I want to see. I want to see Harry be a lame animagus. Well, a sheep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. oh. Don't yeah, don't put that in my mind. Wolfie sent me. Never mind. Yes, um, never mind. Moving on. So they're romping through the forest, and you know this is fine. They are every fic where they become animagi usually has some chapters like this. Yeah, and I have to say this this reminded me a little bit of The Lion King. <laughs> Yep. So it was just playing through my head in the back. Yeah, I can see that. But she she just she wants to talk to him because she's come up with another plan and you know, this plan worked really well, so maybe the next one will too. And she wants to go to Dumbledore and get lessons on one less magic. Yes. Which again, if they can pull it off, is a great coup because no one's gonna suspect that. Mm-hmm. And that will give them two very powerful weapons against Voldemort and the Death Eaters when that time comes. I'm tired of wandless magic. I have yet to see it done well. As I said during the Good Vic, I would like to see it done well, but I have yet to see it done well. The magic within the Animagus form, however, she lost me on that. Yeah. So I, was just I like, didn't really care for that either. Mm, no, that wouldn't happen. I can't see, because, you know, if that were to, I, I mean, James and Sirius were considered very powerful wizards. Mm-hmm. And unless, you know, this is like the whole super Harry syndrome going on, like where Harry is the most powerful wizard since Merlin himself. I mean, if, if magic could have been done in the Animagus state, it would have been done before now. Mm-hmm. The Marauders would have figured it out. They would have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if not them, Dumbledore. Even if Dumbledore doesn't like his animagus state. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just yeah. as like, oh, I think you'll be able to control magic in your animagus state. Like, no, yeah. like, no, I don't see that. Yeah. I, I didn't really care for that. And then there's this discussion of touching the animal within and taking on 
sensory traits. Mm-hmm. Which, which Hermione does very well, but Hermione cannot do. Right. Yeah, she always transforms. Mm-hmm. And which, I don't know how I feel about this. It's Harry is superpowers. Blah. But, I don't know. I, I don't even know how much it's based in canon sort reality acceptedness. Because, did we ever hear about Sirius doing this? No. No. So, I mean, I have seen fan, fa- fan fiction, I mean, it's more accepted to do it where Remus has heightened senses, because he's a werewolf full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, it just that he takes the wolf form, and then his, his senses get infinitely better, closer to the moon. Mm-hmm. But I've never really seen just regular animagus, or animagi, have, like, superpowers. What's the, um, oh, I guess he doesn't actually change. I was going to say, what's the show? Is it like Beastmaster? In an age when nature and magic rule the world, there is an extraordinary legend. The story of a warrior who communicates with animals to fight sorcery and the unnatural. His name is Dar, last of his tribe, but everyone calls him Beastmaster. Where he he has the different animals that come to him. There's the, the big cat, there's ferrets, and there's an eagle. And he see, can, like, see through their eyes. I was kind of, I was trying to think of if he changed, then sometimes when he's human, he uses the animal sight, and I was trying to compare the two there, but I don't think he literally changes. It's been a long time since I saw that show, so I'm not. Yeah, I've never seen that. The, when you were describe when you were describing that, I was thinking of animorphs. I was thinking of Brave Star. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I know, been done before, just not. I know of the show Beastmaster, but I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I just I, I don't we're know. Way off course. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I think I agree with that. That it's kind of. I mean, I'm gonna accept it for this story, but eh. And I it's, don't remember. I don't know if it actually happens or not. Yeah, it's done decently here. It's not horribly horribly abused, at least not yet. And. I think there's certain things that you have to accept if you're going to read fandom just because not enough of the people who have these same opinions that Kat and I have have written the fix mm-hmm. for all of these different sorts of things. So they practice a little bit. They try to work it so that she can use her animal instincts, powers, super soulmate powers, whatever we <laughs> want to call them. Um, and then they think that they should ask Ron... Hermione comes up with this. We should ask Ron, too. Yes. No, I thought it was Harry who came out with it. Harry? Yeah. I think you should ask him to teach Ron, too. So I think it's Hermione. Okay. Ron, do you think he'd be able to do it? No, I yeah, don't. Harry Pose. why? <laughs> she says, because it's been you and me a lot this term. Let's let him in on something. Yeah. Which we is- sort of have to. And yeah. I'm glad to see this, because it's not them shutting Ron out entirely. Right. They just realize, hey, we sort of are shutting Ron out. Or we've got stuff going on that's just us. We, if we're starting up something new, we should get him involved, regardless of what that thing is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And in in some ways, I hate Hermione's self confidence issues with this because she's very, you know, like I can't do anything in this chapter. 
but at the same time, I kind of like the fact that she's approaching this of, I will probably not be able to do this. See, I'm reading that as more of a frustration issue on her part because she'll she won't she'll come close and then she'll just switch over and she's. Yeah, I think it's a self confidence issue that she had. Like it's kind of reminiscent of, or um, it's left over from her childhood that she doesn't think she can do anything except read books and learn from books. Well, and I think Harry's got the same issue when it comes to the wantless magic. And probably Harry would have the same issue with this if he hadn't stumbled on how to do this accidentally. Mm -hmm. So he did this accidentally once, and he was like, whoa, hey, this is cool. How did I do that? He figured it out, and now he can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just like casting the giant Patronus that saves him um, him and Sirius in the, is it the third book? Yes, it's the third book. Because I'm thinking, uh, A, B, C. You know, he's already done it, so he knows he can. I think it's that kind of thing, and Hermione hasn't done it yet, so she doesn't know she can, and that's why she can't. I just think it's interesting, because I think I know where this is headed, because there were a lot of fan fictions before the Deathly Hallows that were obsessed with this, the power that the Dark Lord knows not concept. Oh my god. (laughs) Even even before the prophecy came out, the fact that Harry could cast a corporeal Patronus, people were obsessed with Harry being able to do things that ordinary wizards can't. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just an interesting concept that, you know, it's like, oh, I know where you're headed because you're introducing wandless magic to this fic, and Harry's going to be able to do it because he's Harry Potter, and he has a prophecy, and there's stuff going on. But I'm following tropes. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Of course, Trelawney's predicted their death at the Hogsmeade. And she's sort of got foreknowledge here that we don't know about yet, but, you know, maybe she's right. Because <laughs> she's told oh, yes. that they're going to die in Hogsmeade when they go this weekend. And, and Ron's just like, oh, man, she's yeah. just crazy. Harry pulls him off to one side and says, I want to talk to you about something. And he says, you know. Hermione and to his and credit, I- the first thing that he says is, daughter, you and Hermione together. <laughs> mm-hmm. You, let's go do one. We're going to ask Dumbledore if he'll teach us wandless magic and we'd like you to come with us. And he's like, really? Are you serious? And then he thinks, ooh, I'd be the first one in my family to be able to do that. Yeah, I'm in. (laughs) I think that was a really smart character beat for the author to put in because that's really the motivation for almost everything he does throughout all seven books is what have my brothers not done yet that I can do. Look at the first book in the Mirror of Erised. What's he seeing? He's seeing yep. himself doing all the things that his brothers did individually. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, it was really sad to see in the movie Percy's proud shout that, you know, Ron had defeated McGonagall's giant chess set because it kind of showed the audience that Ron had you know, proven himself to, to a degree, that he was one of them. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And, of course, Hermione comes up and joins them, and Hermione and Harry are still very touchy-feely. And yes. Ron's watching this and, you know, getting a sick feeling in his stomach, but he's going to try to ignore it for now. And they decide they're going to give up lunch and go up to yep. Dumbledore's office. And I really like that Ron just didn't pick an argument here. He says, you know, 
wh- whatever. Maybe I'm just imagining things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Wandless magic. Holy crap, that's so cool. They just asked me to s- be a part of this. No, no, I, I'm, I'm making things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love yep. this. Walking into Dumbledore's office in the middle of the day reminded Harry of Santa's workshop. <laughs> and the this only made me so sad. Thing he knows about Santa's workshop is this three seconds that he saw on the telly when he was seven years old, when he snuck out of the kitchen and you know watched Dudley watching a Christmas show, and Aunt Petunia caught him and whacked him on the head with a spoon, and he didn't mm-hmm. get to see very much, but he's always had that little snippet in his mind. I, I, I just have and to there read was this. Even this a white bearded old man to oversee it all. Right. I, I just have to read this one sentence because it's it's I mean, it's so sad Harry's life. One Christmas when he was seven, he'd snuck out of the kitchen when he was meant to be cooking the supper feast and peeked in on Dudley watching a Christmas movie in the living room. He was seven and he was in charge of cooking the feast. Yeah. These are really sick people. I want to kill the Dursleys. <laughs> yeah, and they walk in on Dumbledore, who is standing in the middle of the room making coiling motions in the air with his wand, and his beard is spiraling up in the air like a sculpted shrub. <laughs> Only He's making beard art. Dumbledore would do something like this. You know? It's like waxing your mustache, only more. <laughs> how, did, how did how did we not pick up on the fact that this man was gay? Really? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just curious. <laughs> we didn't see moments like this. Mm-hmm. Oop, caught me in a bit of beard twirling. And Ron's like, beard twirling? And Harry's like, oh, wow, maybe this isn't something I should know about. You know, if Ron doesn't know, it must be really weird. But they ask him and... They, you know, say, we want you to teach us wandless magic. And, of course, they let them know that it was Hermione's idea. And Dumbledore's like, well, of course it was Hermione's idea. She's the only one of you that knows how to think. (laughs) Which I love. (laughs) It's true. And, uh, you know, he tells them how hard it is going to be that they probably won't be able to do it. But he's willing to give them a try. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he says that they need to, um, if they're going to do it, they're going to begin lessons on Sunday afternoons after Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. And Harry was like, well, why don't we just skip Hogsmeade? It's more important, you know, this is more important than Hogsmeade. And, and, like, <coughs> <coughs> and <coughs> Hang on. Dumbledore lets loose the stupidest plan I have ever heard of in a Harry Potter fanfic, which is that they're going to use Harry as bait to try and see if Voldemort is dumb enough to try and get Harry during a Hogsmeade weekend. Yeah, my note said, oh look, he's a staked goat, the sacrificial lamb. He uses the phrase staked goat. He does. He uses the phrase staked goat. That's awesome. Well, the thing is, this is the plot in so many things. It's just they're being upfront about it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that they're being upfront about it, but like at the same time, it's just like, I want to whack you in the head. This is the best they can come up with. I know. This is the best they have. Come on, Dumbledore. Give me a break. You well, can't also, find being... him. So not only are you going to put Harry and Hermione and Ron out there, but you're going to send the entire school 
And oh yeah, all the teachers, but come on. But it's just it's such a it's such an example of Dumbledore forgetting that Harry is, you know, what is he now? Like 15? He's a 15-year-old kid. Like really we're we're you know, we're going to put the 15-year-old out of the front line, draw like a big target on his chest and see what happens. Yeah. And and it's like, I mean, and Harry's pissed. And so are the other two. But it's like Harry says, I probably wouldn't be as upset about this if he had come to me and said, Hey, Harry, look, man, we can't find you to be the the guinea pig, the staked goat. What do you say? Because Harry would have said, Sure, Harry's got a saving people complex. He'd love to do that. He'd volunteer for it if he had just consulted him. What I find interesting is that. Whereas in the canon, Dumbledore paid no attention to Harry because he didn't want to make him a target. Here, Dumbledore says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We'll put Harry right out there and hope Voldemort shows up and maybe we'll catch him. Yeah, People usually only go two ways in fanfiction. They either make Harry solely the boy who lived. He's a soldier. He's, you know, not really a person. He's more of a symbol. Or they go the, like, totally human way and make, you know, everyone touchy-feely toward Harry and, like, he's four and we need to give this kid a proper family because he never had an upbringing. You know, they very, and the canon went kind of the middle ground of, they did some of both. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is going the route of, he's only the boy who lived. They don't give a shit about, you know, his well-being. And I love, I love how, you know, they're basically, you know, he's a scapegoat and the teachers are going to be overseeing the students, including Harry. And Harry's like, well, I'm not going to have an escort if I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore says, Harry, this is for your safety. And it's just like, what? Yeah, I know. Well, you have to have an escort. They're here to protect you. Well, if they're that close around, then he's not going to show up anyhow. But you know what I really like about this is that we're not saying, oh my god, this author had this really stupid idea. We're saying, oh my god, Dumbledore, what in the hell are you thinking of? Exactly. It, I mean, it's totally... I, I think sometimes uh, authors are get nervous about us critiquing the stuff, but most of the time it's us critiquing the characters. And it's, oh, yeah. you know, this is a fabulous plot point because it's totally realistic and I can totally see it actually happening in real life but Dumbledore is a crazy person if he thinks this is going to work yeah. someone's going to wind up dead uh, yeah yeah. And you know and Harry's like you know forgive me if I don't fancy being your staked goat and Dumbledore's like look I know you're upset and you have every right to be but you're not the only student we have to keep safe so there's going to be a lot of faculty there. And that kind of takes some of the fire out of Harry because he's like, all right, I I do, you know, if it was just me and and stuff, then that would be one thing. But all the rest of the students are going to be there too. So they have to be protected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to give him that. He's at least, he's thinking that way. And Ron's just sitting there gobsmacked because the two of them are arguing with the headmaster. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and he, they they get out, and he doesn't say a word while they're in there because he's no. too intimidated. It's only yep. after they get out, and he's like, "Blimey!" <laughs> Can't believe you mouthed off to Dumbledore like that. Harry's <laughs> like, "I can." <laughs> he just did. 
Well, I mean, the, the man's been, like, throwing him into seriously dangerous situations since he was, like, 11. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think Let he has some... The Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> so maybe Trelawney wasn't so far off. Maybe this is going to be a bloodbath. Harry's been the staked goat before in the tournament, so, you know, let's just let Harry compete and see what happens. Yeah, it'll be fine. Oh, nothing could possibly happen. There's only dragons. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Oh, they can't hurt him too bad. My thing is, Dumbledore seems to have learned nothing from the Triwizard Tournament, because Harry walked away with, you know, barely a scratch on him, and another student died. Don't you understand that people aren't supposed to learn lessons in fic? Apparently not. But it would be so nice if they did. They they learn lessons in your fic. Yes. Actually, there's a chapter where I explicitly have Harry state out loud a lesson that he has learned. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that, and I cheered, and I was just like, oh, that's a fufu moment. (laughs) (laughs) We like Uh, our fufu moments. We do. So we move right. to the next we, chapter. We come up with all of these things that we never see that we'd like to see, so we write them, because if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And exactly. then other people see it and they go, I like that, that's so unique, I've never seen that anywhere else. <laughs> it's really yeah. funny. So we're in Hogsmeade, we're actually at Rose Murda's, and... At Rosie's. Yes, we're at Rosie's at a- bar. So, I, wait, 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 I'm a little confused. It's a bar and eatery? It's not just a pub? Well, isn't yeah. It, isn't a pub a bar and eatery? Yes. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's what it would be. So, pick- the boys have butterbeers, but Hermione didn't want one. Yeah. And they're not drinking them very fast, because everybody's just mopey. They're just waiting for the attack. Yeah, and, you know, it's a whole sham of a outing, and... Then Hermione decides she's thirsty, and she's going to go get something, and Harry says, ah, here, just have some of mine. So then they share it back and forth, and Ron's just kind of watching him. Like, uh-huh, I see how this is. <laughs> and you say you're not together. Yeah. Finally, they decide to get out of there, and mm-hmm. they're going to go. He says, well, let's go to the joke shop. And Hermione's like, yeah, you would think that that would cheer us up. And Harry's like, well, Hermione wants to go to the bookstore. How about if we meet you? And Ron's like, yeah, yeah, anything to get out of the bookstore, I'll meet you there. And Harry's got a plan. Let's Mm -hmm. sneak out of town and be the cats. Because that's a great idea. Right, because, you know, (laughs) nobody's watching for them. Nobody's worried about the Death Eaters coming just for them. And, you know, he's thinking, well, if we're cats, it won't matter because they're not going to hurt us in cat form. They're not even going to know we're cats, you know. But this is totally, I mean, I I could see, like, my kids doing this if magic were real. Oh, yeah. This is totally a teenager thing to do. It's totally a teenager thing to do. They're already ticked at what's been happening. They are going to slip off the leash and they are going to run. Yep. And even if they didn't have animal forms to do it in, if they could get away with it in human form, they'd do it that way, too. Oh, yeah. They're just, they're tired of... I'm get like this. I'm guessing this year, like the teachers are watching Harry closer than ever, and he's just he's tired of it, mm-hmm. and he wants you know a couple hours where no one's watching him, and right. no one's wa- you know looking out for Harry Potter, the either crazy or really in danger guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they go for a romp, and they're gone for hours, and they don't pay yeah. attention. Nope. 
Because what do animals care fun. for time? Right. Animals right. don't really know time. You know, they hunt. They chase this poor doe and its fawn, which is very sad. They wrestle. It's like they killed Bambi. They didn't kill Bambi. Hermione they killed Bambi's fawn. No. And they wrestle and tussle and play. Just all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It's fun. That's... Scott's favorite word, right? Fun. Fun. Sounds mm-hmm. good to me. I've been listening to season four, as I say, and he uses that word a lot. <laughs> Scott is we all have, Mr. We all Fun. We all have our wor- words that we really like. Yep. That's very interesting. Why is that interesting? That's one of the words that people accuse me of using all the time. Oh. And I use fabulous probably far too much. <laughs> fabulous. It's fabulous. Awesome. It's magnificent. Oh, like awesome. Yay! So, speaking of so that, they they do their run and they finally get back and they change back and they're picking leaves and twigs off of each other. Yeah, because they've been rolling in the leaves, and so they've got them in their hair, and all of a sudden they get caught by Minerva McGonagall, who is not happy. And I'm picturing her with a red wig on. Where have you been? Of <laughs> <laughs> um, all the to worry us over this, get out here this instant! And of course, everybody thinks they've been out snogging because they're rumpled, their hair's a mess, they've got leaves in their hair, and it's sort of assumed that they were fooling around in the alleyway, which I really hope that. I really hope they, they weren't were rolling around on the ground there. That's just not right. To go, yeah. Break into a building or something, guys. Don't don't just do it out in the alleyway. Yeah, that's just wrong. Yeah, that's and a it's dirty. a narrow alleyway because at one point he stands with his back against one wall and she stands with her back against the other wall and there's like two inches apart, you know, separating them. McGonagall is furious to the point where she has lost the capacity for words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which happens, uh, you know, on occasion in canon. Oh, yeah. And you just see her. Her mouth is drawn up into a tight little bow. No, I picture her... A thin line. Thin line, yeah. Thin line. There you go. I I can picture her just fumbling for something to say. I'm gonna tell the headmaster! Man! So, one thing that kind of jumped out at me that was a little weird... Is that the best that she could come up with, though? She's the deputy headmistress. I'm gonna tell the headmaster. Mm -hmm. Hermione... It says Hermione had to physically restrain herself from asking cat got your tongue. <laughs> like Hermione, like I can see Harry restraining himself. I can't see Hermione mouthing off to a teacher. Who are you, and what have you done to Hermione Granger? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> but you can almost see that in it as tongue in cheek. Like, oh well, we've just been out in our animagus shape. So, cat uh, got your tongue, Professor. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, it's a really funny joke, and I really like it. It's just, it's one of those things of. Hermione wouldn't ever say that to <laughs> Professor McGonagall. No. No, but she might think it. She would think it, but I don't think she would have to physically restrain herself from saying it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Ron's in the group, and Ron thinks that they've been out snogging, or worse, and they both feel awful. So they have got to tell Ron something. Yes. And we go into the next chapter, and we don't have a chance to speak with Ron in private until just before bed that night. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. By which point, it's all over the school because the Hogwarts gossip grapevine is unmatched. Mm-hmm. And the more times Ron hears the story, the angrier her gets. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he's really angry at the story. He's just angry that they keep denying it. Yeah. Yep. Because it's clear that they have feelings for each other. And, you know, everyone's just like, oh, they were snogging. And rumors are flying fast and furious. And they deny it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has not stopped off or ignored them, as he might have a couple of weeks. But he's not really talking. He's communicating with grunts, looks, and shrugs. The tool, Tim the Tool Man. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Death, because the last time I mentioned Tim the Tool Man on the podcast, nobody knew who I was talking about. I what? Who are these people who did not know who Tim the Tool Man is? Scarlet, and I don't remember who else was with me, but Scarlet was like, huh? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't look it up. Uh, I've got his some of his comedy specials. He is hysterical. Mm-hmm. I love Tim Allen. He's on a new show, Last Man Standing, where it's the like it's almost the inverse of Tim the Toolman, where it's um his wife. He has three daughters, and there's him. Oh boy, well, that would be fun. Check it out. That's his own personal vision of hell, right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've just seen promos, but there are some pretty, like, interesting scenarios where one of his daughters is crying over, like, a band breaking up, and he walks in on his other daughter and goes, who are the Jonas Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> I can just picture that house. Three bedrooms, 14 bathrooms. <laughs> He'd be building them every few minutes. <laughs> Whole second story, nothing but bathrooms. <laughs> It'd be like the prefix bathroom. It'd be nice. Oh, so in the swimming pool. <laughs> Hermione says, "Ron, we want to talk to you. I know what you were thinking, but it's not what you think it was." And Ron's like, "Well, all right, then what was it?" And she's like, "Oh, hang on. Oh. Even before this, though, because um, th- there's a few notes before we get to here. I just want to say that I love." Love, love, this characterization of Ron right here. He hasn't exploded. Mm-hmm. He knows there's an explanation, and he's waiting for it. And he's showing maturity by keeping his temper under control until he can get it. I'm so happy to see that he's grown up, or growing up. Mm-hmm. And he not, not enough to not be angry, but no. he's grown up enough to hold his temper and not immediately explode. This mm-hmm. is what I've been waiting for in Ron's characterization in all the fics I've ever read. <laughs> and it's finally here. Yay! Yay! And like I'd say in all capital letters, I love this characterization of Ron. <laughs> so Hermione goes around and is like, okay, we need to talk. And he's like, okay, what is it? And they say, well, not here. Can we go for a walk? Yeah. So they all go for a walk into the invisibility cloak. And I want to know mm-hmm. how big that thing is. Yeah, well, they're, you know, pretty tight together. And of course, I was thinking of it, I mean, they're talking about they were kind of side by side. I was thinking it was like Ron or Harry in the front and Hermione kind of sandwiched between them front yeah, to no, back. No, side but by side. Side by side. So yeah, this clip, I swear it grows. It's like they're on a two-legged or in this case, six-legged race. Mm-hmm. Three-legged mm-hmm. race or six-legged race. Yeah. And they go all the way out to the Forbidden Forest and they don't say a word the whole way. It's like going up to Dumbledore's office. Yeah, I know. And I love Ron because he finally figures out where he's going 
and he like freezes and they drag him along and he's like, but, but that's the forbidden forest that is. And you can almost imagine, but there's spiders in there. Yeah. I, 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 you know, you have to realize that the only time that Ron has ever been in the forbidden forest is when this, he went to with Harry to go after the spiders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every other time it's been Hermione. So, I mean, it's true. So it's, it's old hat for her. For her, I mean, and, and, you know, within Fick especially, it's old hat for Harry and Hermione. But I, even if this were the first time and they were like, let's go to the Forbidden Forest, I think Hermione and Harry wouldn't bat an eye. And Ron would be like, oh, but there are werewolves and spiders and all sorts of bad things in there. Mm -hmm. Why would we go on the Forbidden Forest? Can we panic now? But, yeah, I just love that. That's the well, Ron's story. also the only one who's grown up hearing stories about it, too. Mm -hmm. Right, from his brothers. He's Hermione has the that. ignorance of the Muggleborn, and Harry has the ignorance of being Harry Potter, because he's ignorant of everything. And I like so that... Go ahead. So they have no preconceived notions of the dangers of the place. Mm -hmm. And they're influenced by Hagrid saying, Oh, it's not that bad! Yeah. There's some feisty uh, Hagrid's Australian now, and he, he's <laughs> Hagrid has become <laughs> uh, Hagrid the crocodile hunter. <laughs> Good day, mate. Blimey! Look at those terribly misunderstood creatures, crocodiles. <laughs> I can totally see that. You totally see that. Oh man. Oh God. So. <laughs> Haggard the half giant would probably be more than a match for a crocodile. <laughs> you see it yeah, it's there. a great white shark. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly misunderstood <laughs> creature. You come you back have to, to stroke Scotland. him the right way and and feed him <laughs> lots of fish and and maybe Draco. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes, yes, I approve of this plan. Let's feed, it, feed Draco to the sharks. Did someone say Draco she said, before she can tell him what's going on, she says, now you have to swear on our friendship. And I love how he says, not to be flip or anything, but our friendship's been a bit thin lately. But you gotta give him credit for that. He figured that out. Yeah. He called him on it, yeah. Yeah, I was impressed with him there. And she's like, all right, well, what about Harry's life? Because this could literally mean Harry's life. And at that point, Ron's like, okay. Yeah, yeah and I that's will not do anything. Spot. And he makes the right decision. Mm -hmm. And this and is the Ron of Prisoner of Azkaban, who says oh, yes. have to go through us first. Right. The Ron, the Ron that I love. I just have to say, before Ron called them out on their crap about, you know, swear on our friendship, I got such a Peter Pettigrew vibe from the situation of, like, don't tell him the secret. Don't tell don't don't go that route because that just I mean it's gonna end badly. <laughs> <laughs> but the th you know, you mentioned that and I did like that when they were walking out to the forest that they were together in that same old trio closeness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just for a moment they were under the cloak, they're doing it just like they always did. I liked that touchback. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I mean that's realistic. That's what happens when you are with friends, that even if your relationships change once in a while, you just get that, you know, very fleeting recognition of the things that used to be in that group. Right. Absolutely. So, Ron swears by Harry's life, and they tell him about being Animagi, and he gets pissed. Oh, because yeah. 
doesn't believe them, and he thinks they're lying about this to cover up their relationship. He says, oh, come on, you couldn't come up with anything better than that. Yeah, I know, I love it. Just tell I'm me. going back to the castle. Good night. Just tell me. <laughs> tell me the truth. I can handle it if you tell me that you're dating because I'm not going to like it because I really like Hermione, but that's better than not knowing. Right. And right. so just and tell me the truth. That's all I want. Just tell me the truth. I love oh, Hermione really? has no idea what to do. And then Harry's just like, okay, I'm going to transform now. <laughs> and suddenly Ron has, you know, a face full of panther. Yeah. <laughs> And it occurred to me that they couldn't just do this up in the school. Well, yeah, and couldn't they just go, okay, look, Ron, we're at a manager, and then turn in front of him. Oh, no, they have to wait till he's stalking away, and then Harry sneaks in front of him and steps out into the path, and, you know... And he screams. And Ron didn't pee himself? Come on. Ron would have <laughs> peed himself. I'm sorry. It would have I would have peed myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a panther! It's gonna kill you! You don't know that it's Harry? Harry was behind you. And it's here comes Hermione. It's okay, Ron. It's just Harry. Just like, Harry. Harry, are you nuts? Yeah. like, look, look at the scar. And Ron's just looking. Uh, ha ha Harry? <laughs> but I, I so, I, I really like this reaction because it's very realistic of how people should treat wild animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, speaking of, did you guys see the picture of the little kid that was dressed in black and white stripes and sitting in front of the glass of the lioness cage? Yeah. It apparently happened in Oregon, and she's like got her mouth wide open trying to figure out how to get her mouth on him. Oh no! Luckily, there between you know there was glass between the two of them, but there's this little kid sitting there smiling for the camera, and the lioness has her mouth wide open. She's like, "Nom nom nom!" <laughs> Dang it! I can't Dear get to it. There's also, there's an infinite amount of videos on the internet of people going up to these, like, walk-up glass things where a lioness is right there, and the lioness will rear up and, like, start to claw the glass. Mm-hmm. And the people think it's so cool to, like, be, like, inches from a lioness that, you know, the only thing between you and death is, like, three inches of glass. Mm-hmm. They're very brave, or not at all, you know? I think they're really stupid. There's that zoo. I'm not sure where it is, but what they've done is they've cut a jeep in half, and the front half of the jeep is in the lioness cage, and the mm-hmm. second, ha- and then there's glass, and then the seats of the jeep are out where the people are, and mm-hmm. so the people get to sit in the jeep, and the lionesses are on top of the jeep, and then somebody from across the way takes a picture. And it- oh. My nightmares are realistic enough without having material constructed for me at the zoo. Thank you. And, I mean, once in a while you get a story of, like, I remember when I was a kid, a little kid fell into the gorilla exhibit at the zoo. Mm -hmm. And the gorilla, you know, the kid was really hurt, so the gorilla recognized that it was, you know, a baby and, like, protected it. Right. And the zoo keepers had to, like, trank the gorilla to get the kid back to get it help. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, I mean, like, these are scary animals. We don't want to be messing with these scary animals. I don't mm-hmm. understand why these people want to mess with scary animals, but they do. Cool. I guess, you know, Darwin Awards. Good for them. Yeah, I love the I Darwin mean, Awards. This takes us back to Jen and Yellowstone. And the idiots that are painting honey on the little kid's face so they can get a nice picture of the bear licking their kid's face. And the... the Wait, I didn't hear this. Was it a cutout? 
It's this is the first time hearing of this. What? It's, it's the... Oh, yeah. I don't know that Jen told this story, but somebody told the story. I think somebody found it, and they're like, Oh, man, we really wanted to tell Jen, and Jen isn't in this episode, so we're just going to tell the story anyhow. Okay. And there was a crowd of people, and there were bears walking by, and the ranger happened to see this woman dabbing stuff on her little kid's face. And the ranger stopped and said, Ma'am, what are you doing? And she said... I'm putting honey on his face. And the ranger went, for the love of God, why? And she said, because I want a nice picture of the bear licking it off. I'm going to oh send it to the bear. And the ranger was like, dude, no. The bear will eat your kid's face off. And she's like, no, it'll be a great picture. He's just going to give him a kiss. And the ranger's like, this is a wild bear. He will eat your kid. And he wouldn't let her do it. Thank God. Thank God. Okay, I'm looking this up, and on Snopes.com, this says this is a legend. Oh, well, I don't know. This is I heard it on the podcast. It's got to be true. I heard it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, yes, because everything on the internet is true. Yeah. Everything the story about the true. attack here. Oh, the, the bit with results in a terrible mauling. The attack described might never have happened. At least one photograph of a bear licking a honey-smeared child exists. But there is no existence of an attack. Well, in this, supposedly the ranger stopped it before it ever happened. So, uh, you know, he he put a stop to it. He wouldn't let the woman send the kid out there. You know what? I guarantee you that happens every day in Yellowstone. That some idiot puts honey on their kid's face to send out. And the rangers have to, you know, haul the parents off and say, look, stupid, don't do this. Leave Yellowstone while you're still alive. Because people are just that stupid. Don't be stupid. This public service announcement brought to you by Potterfic Weekly. Please don't be stupid. No, no, please about it. Don't be stupid. So Ron has, has decided to believe them. Yes. Which is good. And then I love... Well, there's not really all that much room for doubt. I love what he says here. He says... uh, Hermione says to him, Harry and I have been coming into the Forbidden Forest every morning on our runs to get used to our Animagus forms. That's where we were when we disappeared from Hogsmeade today. We were in the woods in our Animagus forms. We weren't off snogging. And he says, No, no, I I suppose not. I mean, Harry couldn't very well snog in that state. (laughs) But I like this, too. He opens his mouth to speak, pauses, shuffles around a bit bashfully, and then says, Uh, could I, do you think I could see it? And Hermione's like, what, the lioness? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> she turns into a lioness, and he's like, Wicked! Wicked! <laughs> so, I, I was curious why Ron didn't say, didn't ask, could you teach me? Well, he does later. He does, he does later, later on. Like, right away, I would be, you know... Yeah. Ron is always, like, right on things that my brother's... I feel like he has a list, like, in his back pocket of things my brother have not ha- have not done yet. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can, I can just see him, like, crossing things off as his other brothers, like, achieve, like, getting married first, etc. Prefect, head boy, Quidditch champion. Boy. Exactly. And, like... Own a joke store. So, like, he has, like, maybe five or six, like, I, I, I would think immediately, can you teach me? My brothers aren't Animaguses, anime guy. Yeah, well, and then, yeah, he would. He would have asked, but 
He thinks, well, what are you going to tell Dumbledore? Yeah. And they're like, Dumbledore. And he's like, well, you got to tell him something. McGonagall's going to report this to Dumbledore. He's like, all right, well, we'll just say we're actually snogging. Yeah. Work. Everyone will believe it. And Ron's like, yeah, because you guys might not be in a relationship, but you sure act like you're one. You guys are touchy feely all over the place. And yeah, people are going to believe this. Dumbledore is going to believe this. So I don't understand why they'd get in trouble because they were sneaking off to snog. They got in trouble because they were. No, no, no. I understand why they got in trouble the first time, but why would they get in trouble for. Oh, they're talking about the past. I thought they were saying, Hermione was saying, well, you know, six months from now, if we sneak off to Snog, we might get in trouble. No, because they're talking about Dumbledore and having to go. Right. Because McGonagall's going to go tell on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we have Harry dreaming, and when he dreams he's a cat, he gets very cat-like tendencies, and Hermione comes over to wake him up because they have to go see Dumbledore and he reaches out, snags her, drops him underneath her, and is on top of her in seconds. Because right. he's totally in his form, his cat form, and that's mm-hmm. what he wants to do. And all of his roommates are like, uh, Harry, get a room! <laughs> you know? To which like, all, uh, I, all I can think is, he's in a room. He's in his room. He's in his room, yeah. Close the, close the drapes, Harry! Close the drapes! <laughs> And Ron's like, uh, okay. <laughs> you sure you guys aren't in a relationship? Yeah. And Dean said, get your own room. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And they're like, oh. And, and Harry's like, oh, well, whoops. But Hermione's just fine with it. And she says, we have somewhere to be, remember? Yeah, we have to go see... Well- Dumbledore. Wandless magic, remember? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. So, they go get dressed. She leaves them to get dressed, and she heads downstairs to meet him in the common room, and Seamus is like, wow, Harry, you're a lucky bastard. He's the only guy that doesn't mind, because he's getting some, too. (laughs) Yeah. He's got something going on with Jake. By the way, where is Neville in all this? He was there... Yeah, we've we seen him, him at one like point. Four he was on the last dorm scene. Yeah, and he comes, he's coming up in the next one. That's yeah. true. So, we start into chapter 35, and there's the wandless magic lesson, which is boring as all hell. Yeah, and Harry's not concentrating because Harry's waiting for the white elephant in the room to drop because he knows Dumbledore's going to be mad at them for sneaking off, and so he can't concentrate on anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the description of Hermione here. She's so studious. She was sitting next to Harry on the bench that Dumbledore had conjured for the three of them when they first arrived. And I'm picturing the one bench in the one-room schoolhouse, and mm-hmm. they get slate in front of them, and she's <laughs> got the notebook open on her lap, quill scribbling furiously over the pages. And every time Harry glanced over at her, he couldn't stop a smile from tugging at his mouth. It was so very Hermione of her, right down to the crinkle in her brow, and the way she pulled her bottom lip between her teeth as she took down nearly every word Dumbledore said. Yeah. If there were any misgivings there... She had them firmly buried beneath the mantle of model pupil. And she Harry denies great, that he loves her. She would make a great court reporter. She would. If she doesn't make it as a tribal warrior. <laughs> and, you know, she's got some questions that she wants to ask. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think of the explanation for why most people don't do the wandless magic here? 
I think it makes sense that children are born with knowing how to do it spontaneously, but once they learn how to do it with the wand, that they kind of lose it, and that before wands were invented, there were only a few wizards, only the ones that could do wandless magic, and then somebody discovered that they could harness it with the wand, and just like, it's like muscles, you know? You stop using certain muscles, then you lose them. And so when you start using the wand, you lose the wandless muscles, for lack of a better term, and you lose them. And after years and years and years, then that sort of goes away. Mm-hmm. I did like this explanation. Um, and it says, you know, potions was practiced more prevalently, and which makes a lot of sense. It does, yeah. The only flaw I really had with it was the mention of Hermione's parents would know about this. He was like, why would dentists know about brain pathways? Yeah, well. That seemed kind of weird, but. <laughs> hi, Catherine. Sue says hi. I say hi, too. Kat says hi. She's oh, waving. Hi. <laughs> it's fun to have her on the podcast, huh? even if it is in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we discussed the wandless magic, and that's fine. It's a fun explanation. If mm-hmm. it's got to be in here, I'm glad that it makes sort of sense. Yeah. And it's not just, oh, uber powerful wizards can do it. It's just you have to train yourself to use these different pathways, which is an interesting take on it. And mm-hmm. I hope it's not made too much of the focus and the emphasis here. Right. We move on, and Dumbledore asks Harry and Hermione to stay behind for a minute. Yeah. And there it is. Yep. The shoe is gonna drop. Uh-huh. So Ron goes outside, and he starts wearing a path. In the hallway, which I mm-hmm. love. He's gonna pace, 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 pace. And Dumbledore is very disappointed. I'm very disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. And it's the soft touch here. That, oh, I'm so very disappointed in Harry. He feels aw- absolutely awful. The worst mm-hmm. he could possibly feel is letting Dumbledore down. Right. And it's like, oh, I'll never do it again. Never, ever. Oh, uh, we didn't think about these other people being affected. We were, and Hermione just, oh, we, we, we wanted to be alone together. And Dumbledore says, ah, and young love. Mm-hmm. You're not the first ones I've seen go through this. I've seen it happen many a times. Take your parents, young Harry. Yes. Which is great. And he sort of takes some of the blame, too, because he realizes that he really botched it, letting them know that Harry was The way he did and the timing. He should have had Harry involved from the beginning and said, Hey, Harry, we came up with this idea a couple days ago. What do you think about it? Would have been a lot better. Because he's a, a teach. Well, I'm going to say he's a student of he- of human nature. He knows how people are going to react, and this is somewhat his fault. He sprung this on Harry right before it happened. Mm-hmm. Of course, Harry's going to go do something stupid. But I think what it's kids a- do. I mean, I think it's also. I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. I I I still haven't decided what I'm con- what I'm thinking about this scene. I think there. I I agree with you on certain points. It's just that I don't know. I feel like long silence. I I don't know. It, it it it's it's odd because I guess because I'm so used to either Dumbledore being the mani- manipulative bastard or being the all-knowing grandfather. You're not used to him being incompetent. 
I'm not used to him being incompetent. But also, you know, rather pompous and acting like he knows all. Yeah, he and, thinks his bad idea is a great idea. And and I guess that just throws me a little bit because I'm so used to, you know, seeing the Dumbledore that is either extremely perceptive about everything going Like, uh, in a lot of fic, Dumbledore is a little like Molly Weasley. Of the first person that, like, starts to lie to him, he's immediately on them and knows that they're lying. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to see a totally different Dumbledore that isn't really, doesn't really fit any of the tropes that I've seen in fanfic a lot of the time. I find it refreshing. Um, I find it refreshing. It's just, it, it, it's odd to me, just because I, I've been here for so long that I'm just so used to, you know... Well, it's good because you get to be upset and yell at the character rather right. than the author for writing them a certain way. Right. Right. And I think it's just, I'm so used to having, like, it's like I have these little cards of different Dumbledores, and when I read a fic, I expect to go over the pile of the cards and, and pick out the Dumbledore that fits, and none of those <laughs> Dumbledores are this Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. You have to make a new card. Yeah. Damn it. I don't like picking those cards. They're annoying. No, it means you found a good fic. It does. Yeah, it. I mean, it. it, it it's that good. Is, it's just, I'll it, put it, it to it, you this way: the the need to make a new Dumbledore card combined with the need to make a new Ron card, I think, makes this worthy of addition to your list of favorite fics of all time. <laughs> I don't know yet because I don't know where it's going. Yeah, but I I reserve judgment till the end, but right now it's definitely heading that way, because it did throw me a little at first, but I mean, I think after this, it's going to be fine, I'm going to accept this as, you know, this is a great thing to be, that, you know, Dumbledore is just like, oh, young love, and you can totally tell he's thinking about him and Grindelwald, uh, Grindelwald. (laughs) and he's like, he's not picking up at all that they're lying to him. They're, he's not being, you know, perceptive at all. He's just off in his own little world. Yeah, he's got rose-colored glasses on. Yes, he yep. does. Although he is perceptive enough to know that Ron's wearing a hole out in his corridor. Yes, and he says it would make a most inconvenient hole. So, off with well, you. What I, love, what I love here is that Harry tries to take the blame for this. Right. And he says, oh, it was my idea to sneak off. And... He says, oh, I had little idea of that. You forget I've seen this play out thousands of times. Your own parents were apt to vanish mysteriously, only to resurface sometime later, quite disheveled for their absence. <laughs> and it's usually the boy's idea. Mm-hmm. It's noble of you to accept blame, but sadly, it won't stand the test of reason in this instance. I do not for a moment think you could talk Miss Granger into anything she didn't consent to from the start. Right. And that's true! It is true. It's true, but it's kind of like Dumbledore just, like, patting his head and just like, there, there, Harry. There, there. You're so cute. (laughs) Such a cute lad. (laughs) Yeah. So they just have to promise to never do it again. Until the next time. Yep. Which Dumbledore giving soft punishments is very, very in character. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And I love Ron. He's like, what do you mean you didn't really get punished? I mean, not that it's a bad thing, but yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Hermione says that Dumbledore didn't even ask if we were together. He just assumed that we were. And Ron says, I told you so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yeah. it's true. And then four weeks pass, and 
things are normal for the three friends. And Ron is back to the good friend that we all want him to be. He's accepted the anime just bit. He's asked about doing it himself, but he gets halfway through, and he's like, oh, that sounds like too much work, way too much work. And yeah. he's making a conscious effort to be nicer to Hermione, and consequently, she's starting to relax and loosen up around him. And their That's friendship good. is improving. Yeah, Harry's walked over on them several times where they're laughing and having a good time. And I like that Harry doesn't get jealous there. Right, and he's just amazed that it's happening because it doesn't happen, and he's more likely to come across them fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I really loved that description here. It's because it's more of this good characterization of Ron that I love so much, and I'm happy to see it, and it's a good person in this, and you really sort of see why. Thank you. To the bird in the background. <laughs> it's Catherine uh, sneezing. Oh, that's Catherine sneezing? I'm sorry. I apologize. I thought it was one of the birds. No, the birds are asleep. Well, that's what you had said, but I thought, oh, well, they're still making some noise. Bless you, Catherine. We're leaving that in. We're still leaving that noise in. <laughs> Poor Catherine. Poor Catherine. So the only thing that's not going well is the wandless magic, because none of them can do it. And all they do is sit there and stare at the parchment or the quill, willing it to move, and all their friends are like, what are you people doing? Yep. And of course, they can't tell them what they're doing, so they just look like idiots. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I can't, you know, if it stays like this the entire fic, I would be a happy person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I would love for the concept to be brought up and then go absolutely nowhere. Right. Really, I would love for something to be introduced in fic that Harry can't do. Like, I would love it if Ron could do Wildless Magic and Harry can't. Mm-hmm. Yes. That would be that would fabulous. Be so fabulous. <laughs> that, that would be fun. Because it seems like in so many fics, they're just, I mean, Harry can do everything. Yes, the only time you bring up something magical is because Harry can do it or is learning to do it. Right, yes. Unless it's coming up with something new, in which case it's Hermione doing it. Yep, or it's wizard chess on occasion. Yes, well, wizard chess. And then we have Trelawney's class again, and Trelawney has decided to give them the drought of foreknowing. I love Why? Because, oh, sorry, because the hat says so. Yes. I love this part. This is so funny. And, you know, it's okay. I've already talked to Madame Pomfrey. She knows that she might get a whole bunch of people come in because you guys aren't going to be able to handle this. It might blow your minds. Then yeah. why are you doing it? <laughs> why is this part of the curriculum? I don't get this. Uh, I love this part. This is so hilarious. <laughs> Tell us, Kat, why do you love this part? Oh, I have to wait till the next chapter. To my, the, the, why I love this is why I was ranting at you last night. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> well, here's Neville. Neville's like, what's the drought of foreknowing? Because, of course, Ron and Harry are thinking the same thing, but they're not going to ask. So we have poor Neville. And she says, I me. knew you'd ask, dear boy. Yes. <laughs> it's the most potent potion used in divination. Yes, you get to see your future. But only your future. And I love how she goes for the dramatic effect by whipping around, but she's too sharp and she does it too fast, so her bead necklaces whip around her hand and she gets all tangled up. Right. And it's like she's trying to pull off a Snape. Go on. Right. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. She's trying to do the the whole uh, 
cape swish thing, and she no, not gonna happen. Yeah. Trelawney does not look like a bat. I'm sorry. No. no. <laughs> she says, but beware for the future may be filled with dark shadows and omens of ill fortune. Or you may not even be there at all. Well, then why would you see it if it's your future? Mm-hmm. It's like in Flash Forward, where um, the concept of Flash Forward is in the pilot, everyone passes out for a full two minutes, mm-hmm. and they have two minutes of their futures in six months. Right. And one of the character just passes out and sees nothing. So that one's going to die. And so he wakes up and it's just like, oh my god, I'm going to die! And it's, you know, hella drama for him. Right. So, she's like, who wants to volunteer? Oh, Harry, thank you for volunteering. And Harry's like, uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. No. WTF. <laughs> and, and it's okay, Harry, don't worry, I'm here to watch out over you. And Harry's like, oh, That's yeah. not very reassuring. <laughs> and and yeah, I, I love that Harry's, you know, having this assessment of, po- of po- like, Drinking potions that Snape made and drinking po- potions that Trelawney made and he'd prefer the potion from Snape because Snape's a git, but he knows his potions. Right. Yes. And He's I not going to kill him. really thought when it's she said that she had talked to Pomfrey, I was so sure that what she was going to say is, I talked to Madame Pomfrey and she brewed the potion because I wouldn't mind a potion from Pomfrey either. But, oh no, she just knows to be alert because she might kill a lot of people. Well, at the same time, though, I like that Trelawney is given this added dimension of being able to brew potions. Mm -hmm. Usually she's the one-trick pony. Right. Right. So it's nice to see her get something extra. But it seems like there was more than just potion in the the, um, potion. Since there was a little bit of alcohol in there, too. Well, maybe. (laughs) somebody recommended that i try cooking with wine so i did but after six glasses i forgot why i was in the kitchen yes <laughs> uh-huh when i was a kid there was a cooking show not like the cooking shows we have today but there was a cooking show was it yen can cook i i don't remember but this person drank while oh, God. they cooked <laughs> And they would get so sloshed by the end of the hour that they didn't know what they were talking about. It, you know, and it would be like, oh, the recipe calls for a quarter of a cup in this sauce here. So let's see, a quarter of a cup for you and a cup for me and another quarter cup for you and a cup for me, you know. And it was hysterical. Nice. Have you ever seen My Drunk Kitchen? No. It's this great series on YouTube. This girl named Hannah Hart, she talks about the importance of when you're drunk to eat food. But if you're drunk, you have to cook the food. So it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. No. She's in season two right now. She's made all sorts of things like grilled cheese and tacos. and. So she's she's drunk and then she makes makes an episode? Yes. That's hysterical. I have to look this up now. Well, no, wait till after the podcast, and then you can look it up. Oh, fine. <laughs> does she, when she makes the grilled cheese, does she do it on an ironing board? No, she does it on the stove in a pan, Aww. but she doesn't actually have any cheese. <laughs> well, that's okay. Grilled mustard sandwiches are good, too. I'm assuming that she, like, there's someone who's sober to make sure that she doesn't set herself on fire. Uh, well, there's got to be somebody not- holding the camera. 
No, she uses the camera on her laptop, I think. Oh. Or at least that's what they were doing in the second season. They've upgraded to better stuff. Well, I hope that there's someone overseeing her just in case she sets herself on fire. Yeah, that would be good. So Harry goes to take There's a link in the chat. Thank you. And he's like, wow, hey, this tastes pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's got a little bit of a fruity taste and a zing that tap dances on his tongue. I like that. And somersaults wildly down his throat. And, uh, you know, he's feeling bubbly. And, yeah. And, oh, wait, wait, we forgot the joke. Well, it wasn't really meant to be a joke, but I thought it was hysterical. Because Trelawney says... But let us not linger on those heightened, on those frightened few in their opinions to the potion. What you have to do is drink your potion and turn your eyes to your balls. <laughs> oh no. Where is this? And Shane snorts. <laughs> no, no, yes, you're yes. not. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was. Cool. I will be here to watch over your journey to your unlived days. You're coming the visions, here. The visions you see may be terrifying, but I will be at hand to pull you back to the here and now. Do not be afraid of being lost to time. Who wishes to go first, Harry? Harry! <laughs> of course! And so he's, like, totally floating, and he hears... Harry like, sat back as though being accosted by a beggar. <laughs> <laughs> Your ball, Harry! Uh, and he looks in and he's like, Ooh, mm. brown. Pretty. Yeah, brown. And, and it's Hermione. With a baby. Yeah. And she's older and he knows it's her, but she's different than he's ever seen her. Yeah. There's no book in sight. And she doesn't have this mad quest for some cryptic knowledge. bit of knowledge on her face. Yeah. She's just at ease and, and singing and swaying. Yeah. Coming. And her hair is under control. Yep. And, and there's a song playing in the background, and he thinks that maybe he heard it somewhere, maybe at the Yule Ball, or maybe on... Kitty's and all Wizard. I'm thinking is the Cylon song. The one that Starbuck is hearing. Oh, that one? Yeah. Yeah, that could be it, too. And so then she pulls him back, and and he's, you know, got to scrabble really fast and think, because he can't say he saw Hermione. Yeah, well, right. he, I love how she pulls him back, the vision's gone, he's reeling, and then Trelawney's in his face, her thick glass lenses magnifying her <laughs> eyes almost threefold, all a matter of inches from Harry's face. Right. And he goes, ah! <laughs> jerks back from the old bat. And Draco's laughing in the background, and he's like, you know, she's like, what did you see? What did you see? And he's like, uh, Death Eaters. Death Eaters. Lots of them. Lots of Death Eaters. Yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, you poor, dear, doomed boy. Mm -hmm. And Harry's like, do not drink the potion. (laughs) It's spiked, man. It's spiked. It's all rum. <laughs> all I can think is, it, it, like, the way the voice in my head that's, that's Harry is like, he's completely stoned out of his mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's like, and I love this. He's totally in a fog now, because all he can think of is Hermione, and I saw Hermione, and what does this mean? And he, he has no memory of the rest of the class, and he says that Snape could have waltzed in 
got down on his knees and proposed, <laughs> and he wouldn't have remembered it because it was in the days. Uh, I just love that. That's such a great visual. Do we have any Snape Trelawney shippers out there? I'm oh. doubting it. Yeah, Not as wrong as some things we've come up with on this podcast. Two, uh, yep. w- one word, grape. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read a grape fic. <laughs> uh, such a great name, such a nasty, nasty ship. <laughs> Alright, I'm afraid to ask. It's Granger Snape. Granger Snape? Okay, all I could, I could think of Grop Snape. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm not sure I want to go there, but maybe I better double check this one. Oh, it's so bad! Oh, oh, oh my god, the mental images. If we are to truly discover the meaning of these events, perhaps we should, for the time being, let them unfold. <laughs> oh, my injured brain! Don't hurt Cat's head. Too late. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's okay. I have, I have beer, and I can just drink it away. Drown your sorrows. My favorite quotes from Buffalo Exchange Season 3. She's like, ow, don't hurt my head. <laughs> oh, God. Someday I'm going to get married, and y'all are going to have so many clips. So we'll be there podcasting live. Yes, you will. From the wedding. And I'll and I'll be you know foolish enough to invite y'all. So foolish uh, enough to invite us all, you get what you get. That is true. And to quote what I tell my children, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Ooh, Ooh that rhymes! Clever, Sue, clever. I had a child try to trip me today. What? And I said, if you trip me and I go down, I'm taking you with me, and you're not gonna like me on top of you. <laughs> Because I will squish you dead. Oh, Sue, I haven't told, I, I've told death, but I haven't told you. So Sunday, at a kid, we were talking. One of the kids asked me a question about my Harry Potter activities, fandom activities. Addiction. Addiction. And I answered honestly. And one of my other kids who has an attitude problem was just like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 23. And he's like, grow up. And I'm like, no, I refuse to grow up. Like, I en- I'm enjoying myself right now. I'm having fun. I don't want to, like, you know, just being a grown-up doesn't mean you're going to stop having fun. Yeah, and just being a grown-up doesn't mean you can't like Harry Potter. Exactly. It's just, I mean, I can't, it, it's it's one of those things of he's being 12, and I understand why he's saying these things, but it's annoying that he is. Mm-hmm. Um. I've had plenty of kids in the past who have said that to me, and then, you know, three years later, they're like, oh, I totally understand why you are who you are, because, you know, it's great being who you are and not having to fit into some convoluted shape that everybody else wants to fit you into. Mm-hmm. You know, that's partially why I'm so loud, you know, at youth group, because, as you know, personality-wise, because I want to teach the kids that it's okay to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I'm a huge nerd and a huge geek, and I have lots of friends who are also huge nerds and huge geeks, and it's no. okay. It's okay, it's better to be who you are instead of trying to fit something that you're not. Right on. So, that was my 
school teaching lesson of the week. <laughs> that's right. my PSA for the week. Be yourself. Be yourself. I know that sounds totally cliche and gross, but, you know, it's true. Well, it's fine. Be yourself. Otherwise, you might find yourself by yourself, and that's no fun. Right. This is true. And nice with the New England accent. We've moved on to the next chapter, and they've been out. Ron is being himself. Yes, he is. And he's going to bed before he is done with his homework. And we celebrate him for being himself. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. And he says, "Eh, I'll do it later, I'm knackered. And Harry says, no, no, I'm not going to have Hermione's wrath turned on me. I have more sense than that. So he says, I'll try and get it done before I go to Mm -hmm. bed. But he's not actually working on it, because all he can think of is... Him seeing Hermione with the baby in his hands. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is and my just, favorite uh, chapter of this fic so far. Yay. The on, death. Well, he's just... This is all Harry can think of is the vision, and he can't... He's watching her study, but he's thinking of her as he saw her in the vision, and he starts thinking, could this black-haired infant be his? Because the vision was of his future, and it's like, oh my god, and then he's connecting the points from A to B to C to D, Mm -hmm. and she's just sitting there reading. His mind is racing, and there's a long paragraph from him and Hermione tucked a strand of hair behind her ear and kept reading. And Harry, his brain goes for another huge long paragraph and Hermione turns a page. Mm-hmm. And so I really I really did like that. It conveyed Harry's mental state quite well. Yeah, I definitely like that. The one thing that um, I had to make a note of, of is that Harry seems to think that babies only come when there are, like, married people, because married pe- married people are the only people who have babies. Yeah. To his Hogwarts, extent, that's true, though. Hogwarts needs sex ed. <laughs> because, honestly, if, if Harry thinks, like, yeah! That's true. What? He doesn't know but, any single parents. But that's the point! Right. Hogwarts needs sex ed because he's like flipping out about the fact that Hermione and he could potentially have a baby in the you know next ten years or so, and I mean yes, that's freak out worthy because he's fifteen and like babies are kind of scary, but I mean there is Teen Mom on MTV for a reason because plenty of people are having sex and having babies and not being married. And Harry watches this when? Yeah. Well, Dudley watches it. It's his favorite show. (laughs) I like that he says, you know, but people got married, but people who got married loved each other. Like his parents loved each other. Like Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia loved each other. Although they could spare none of it for him. Mm -hmm. And the Weasleys are married and even the Malfoys. He looks at them. Yeah, but I like that he put Vernon and Petunia in there. Yeah, I did did too. You know, it was great. They loved each other. They had to have loved each other for them to stay together through the hairy years. And I love that he doesn't know what love looks like. Mm -hmm. Because he's never been loved. And it's so sad that Harry's never been loved. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It is very sad. It is. I just love his whole process of realizing what it is and he's thinking about how she makes him feel and and he says there were those things he couldn't place moments and feelings that would not rest when he touched her there was a squirming in his stomach a speeding of his heart a tightness in his lungs 
That yeah, didn't happen with Ron. That's not tightness was. <laughs> well, he, he described that, that, that didn't happen with Ron. <laughs> Thank God. Her skin was soft. He liked touching it. He liked even more that she let him. And when she touched him back, when she'd curl her arm around his, or... This is, I mean, this is fantastic. Like, this isn't, this wasn't written for Harry with Jenny. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh my gosh. maybe I Is this what love her. is? And he has no, I mean, he hasn't been loved. He has no idea. He mm-hmm. has no idea how to equate this. He has no metric. Yeah. And, and now, I, he's floored. And I can just picture, like, you know... Sirius or Remus being like in on this internal conversation and figuring out that Harry's never been loved. Mm-hmm. And like, just, I mean, because, I, I mean, I think it's something that's really overlooked in, in, um, fan, that people either try and fix it in fan fiction or bypass it, that Harry has never been loved. Mm-hmm. And there are serious repercussions to that. And, it's a mark of a good fanfiction author, and I'm saying that even if I don't like this plot, Misanthropic is a good fanfiction author, because she doesn't try and fix it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't try and change it, she doesn't bypass it, she addresses it. Right. Because you can't get into a relationship without addressing Harry's lack of love problems first. Right. Very true. Very true. He needs to get his head straight. And I like that we're getting a lot from Harry's perspective, and he's he recognizes that he himself doesn't understand it, and he wonders right. if he even can. Right. So but he's breaking through that fourth wall. And, and then uh, Hermione looks up and says, Are you okay? You look a little peaky. Mm-hmm. And he just blurts out, Have you ever thought about getting married? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he thinks, I think I love you. But then that's not what he says. Right. Can I ask you something? And she says no. I'm not worthy of being married. No one will ever love me. So I've accepted that. Right. She gave up on the whole idea, saying no one would have her, and he just blurts out again, I would have you. Yeah, and her eyes And there's the sweet awe moment. Yes, and as my text reader says, she stared at him agape. (laughs) (laughs) Agape. <laughs> Agave. I was drinking that earlier. It was yeah, tasty. I, I want some of that. Get the Blue Moon Summer Pack. So they have a bit of a snuggle cuddle and a kiss. Yep, and it's magical. It is magical. And I don't know about you guys. I mean, this might be lack of experience on my part, but I don't ever think that the first kiss is like you know that magical. Oh. Okay, well, about to your, you know, experience. <laughs> I was I waiting know. for more. <laughs> well, oh, silence. Yeah, seemed about to sneeze so and blow her nose, so I just wanted to cut that out. But okay. no, the first kiss at that age is pretty magical. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Oh well, my, mine sucked, so you know. Aww. Oh well. I won't say it. It's not awkward, but it, it's still something to put a huge grin on your face. I guess. We're not going to go into that with me. We're going to stop right there. All new, excited. Harry saying, or Hermione saying, Harry, are we, does this mean we're together now? (laughs) And they're like, oh, we're boyfriend and girlfriend? I think we are. Oh my God. This is so five-year-olds on the playground. Like, are you my boyfriend? (laughs) 
you my girlfriend? Which is very good for the emotional state these two are in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, and they turn Hufflepuff and have to have a hug. Yeah. Hey, Hufflepuff does not have almost a Hufflepuff. <laughs> they turn Hufflepuff. It's really and they messed have up because on the QWERTY keyboard, the F and the G are next to each other, and so many times I've typed Hufflepuff. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 back up, back up, back up, back up, back up, and so. they decide that they have to tell Ron. Yes, and I love that they decide they need to. Yeah, that's the first thing we need to tell Ron before we can do anything else. We have to tell Ron. Yes. Yeah, before they tell, I like that before they tell anybody else, they tell Ron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before they even do anything in public displays of affection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they say to do this and we need to do it ASAP. I'm surprised they don't actually go wake him up the next morning. Mm-hmm. And be like, Ron, Ron, wake up, wake up, we have news, we have news. Yeah, we have news, we have to tell you something. But no, they wait until he's stuffing his face because that's the best time to share news with Ron because that's a, his happiest moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's also he like can he can't really it. do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got food in his mouth so he's good. Yeah. Well, I like as we go into... Chapter 37 here. Hermione Granger did not squeal, but for the first time in her life, she really, really wanted to. <laughs> I love that line. Me too. Yeah. And they tell him, and he's like, yeah, I know. And they're like, what do you mean you know? And he says, Ginny explained it to me. And they're looking at each other, they're going, what does Ginny know? And he said, you guys have been together for a really long time, but you just didn't know it. We all knew it. We yeah. all suspected it. <laughs> but you didn't know it. And Ginny and, told me that. And so I can't be mad at you because you didn't lie to me because you just didn't know. They were oblivious, yeah. which, which goes to show totally that Miss Harry truth. is in character. It's totally the truth. Yeah. And I can all... I can all, all, all uh, I'm going to start that over. I can also buy that Hermione's oblivious because... She's given up on love. She never, you know, thought that she would find somebody. So, yep. and was it in chapter 36 where she was going on about, oh, no, this is this chapter. This is 37, um, where you, you get to hear her thoughts on it and yep. um, how... She's had a crush on Harry since third year, and he never right. noticed. And, yep. and she was going to settle for Ron. Right. Which ties in so perfectly in the canon because... I feel like it's not a good, like, between the two of them, it's not a perfect match. And, like, they're good friends and they're a good team, but I've never seen them as, like, a good pairing. So I've always felt like Ron's kind of, or not Ron, but Hermione's kind of settling for Ron because she doesn't think that anyone else is going to want her. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we get to see Hermione's thoughts on Cho and Victor. And I love that all of these things are brought up as she's processing all of what's going on here. And it's all come to a head with seeing Harry come back bleeding and crying. (laughs) (laughs) Great sounds from Death Rolls End and then dead silence. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah, she's thinking about Cho Chang, she's thinking about all these different things, and then she's kind of moving on, and... Well, and then she remembers, you know, after the end of the tri- tri- Wizard Tournament, saying Harry, you know, 
sobbing uncontrollably, bleeding, and clutching a dead body. And that scared her to death. And I feel like this is a great moment because Hermione realized how close Harry came to death Mm -hmm. in that moment. And I feel like a lot of other characters never did. Right. They, you know, kind of accepted, like, oh, this is Harry, he comes, you know, he has scrapes with death all the time, of course he made it out okay, but, you know, he, he, she realizes, he faced Voldemort face to face, he came close to dying that night. Oh, yeah, he did, and, yeah, and you're right, she's about the only one that knows, because she's about the only one that really paid attention. Right. And she's gone to bed, she's all excited and stuff, and she's gone to bed, and... She can't it's, sleep, so she this can't is sleep. timing these thoughts. Her eyes pop open right before dawn, right before Crookshanks even comes to wake her up, and she wonders what Crookshanks thinks, having hopped up on her bed and not had to have, you know, not wake her up. And uh, so she gets up, and Crookshanks goes over to get Harry, and she goes downstairs, and Harry's already waiting for her. Yep. Yeah. But they don't quite know what to do with each other. Yeah. They really like kissing, and they like touching, but now it's like, ooh, are we allowed to do this? Well, and there's always that moment where, you know, you're really close friends with somebody, and you don't know if you can take the relationship to the next step, because you know that you're never going to have that friendship be what it is if you take the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't want to lose what you have. Right. So, you just... Some people decide to ignore the feelings and keep the friendship, and some people are brave enough to take that step and right. try. And sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes you go years without talking to the other person. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of drop back to Harry's point of view, and he's got butterflies in his stomach, and the jaguar has just kind of been there all morning, and even you know before Crookshanks came to sniff his chin, he been kind of giddy and happy and all of this stuff and Hermione put all of those feelings there. Aww. Aww. And you know, he's just giddy to find out that Hermione feels the same way. And now she's his girlfriend. Honestly, he doesn't know what he's gonna do with himself. Yeah, he's so deliriously happy and he just blurts out, Can I touch you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's like, You are touching me and he's like, Oh, I am, right. That makes sense. And they have a cute little discussion there about what they can do, and mm-hmm. she says something implying that clothes will come off. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, well, you can't touch me in that way, in front of in, people. Yeah, I love. I love how Harry, like Hermione, clearly wears the pants in this this relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be fair, she usually wears the pants when she's with Ron. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like. Any relationship that Harry's going to be in, he's going to be with a girl who wears the pants. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I, I don't see him wearing the pants in any relationship. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm just you, thinking about the British use of pants. And just the truth. <laughs> in this case, we're glad in this case. So I, I got this a little mixed up that the Ron discussion takes place after the wake up. Not, right. But I was all excited mm-hmm. about the Ron discussion because I just thought it was yeah. hysterical that, you know. Oh, it was great. Ginny well, set him straight. Yep. And Ron takes the news fairly well. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. You don't see him take news very well too often. He's processed it. He's had, a, you know, a 
few months to process this concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's decided he's still going to be friends with them. Yep, which is Yay! good. Mm-hmm. Yay for Ron being smart and likable. Yep. So, Harry and Hermione discuss the touching, and they decide they're going to snog right there in the corridor. And I just pulled this quote out. They were a target of a few whistles, a few catcalls from students who were moving around them, but it was the deep-throated ahem that broke them apart all too soon. And it's Umbridge. She's back. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> really, they could only have been kissing for about five seconds. They turned to find Dumbledore in the doorway to the Great Hall looking down, them, down on them. Mm-hmm. And he says, Seems there is something to be said for hiding away in an, the hiding away in an alley approach. Mm-hmm. Tends to be out of the way of traffic, the yeah. headmaster said with a twinkle in his eye. They're like, sorry! <laughs> Yep. Say, so, hey, you asked for it, you got it. It's going we said to be we a wouldn't fine day. Said yep. we wouldn't sneak away. Yep, we're not sneaking. We're right here in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Now we have midterms. Yeah. Oh, how I don't miss midterms. I don't miss midterms either. Uh, but it's winter, the snow is falling, and it's romantic, and girls are dancing with snowmen because boys don't know how to dance, and... Fabulous. It's fabulous! My word, not yours. Midterms have come along, and Harry is just so grateful to be dating Hermione. Yep. And And it's hysterical that Ron is much more amenable to Harry and Hermione being together when he needs help with his studying. Yeah, I love it. And he'll use the relationship to his advantage, because if he needs help on something and Hermione's studying her arithmetic, she'll refuse him, but if he gets Harry to ask, then she'll do it. Mm-hmm. Which is very strategic. Ron is using his strategery. Yes. I'm it took to... me a minute to be like, is that a real word? Yes, it is. Okay, it's, we're good. It's a word that's been made up and used on the podcast before. We're gonna go with it. Okay. So, I, I really like that. It's it's Ron being smart. I just, mm-hmm. I love this characterization of Ron. Mm-hmm. And... They go to defense against the dark arts, and it isn't Moody who is teaching, but Snape. No, and he is taking over for an indeterminate amount of time. And I love what he says. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to get into voice here. <clears throat> I have no doubt you are sorely lacking in several key points of defense against the dark arts. There's hardly time to do anything about your upcoming midterm, but I'll do the part of damage control as best I can. I'm told failing an exam can build character, though were that true, most of you would be characters enough from my potions class. Here's to hoping you're not as lack-witted in defense against the dark arts. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> it's Snape being Snape. Well, it's, it's just so funny because... You know, every time Snape does something like this, you know, there's the huge debate of, like, why is Snape doing this? Is Snape evil? Is Snape good? And it's just like, Snape's an ass. Like, you're all morons if you think otherwise. Yeah. Um, I love this trope coming back in, Snape taking over defense class. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Harry wants to know why, and he demands to know, and he thinks he has the right to know, as though, you know, Hogwarts staff meetings are, should send him minutes. <laughs> They should. Dear Harry, here's what we discussed at the last staff meeting. Please find attached. 
Currently, so, current statuses of all st- uh, staff. Well, I mean, in some way, from Moody, I understand, because he's kind of earned it as far as Defense Against the Dark Arts goes. Because, like, in some way, like, he, he saved Moody's life last year. He did. So, I feel like they had a rapport going on in this fic, at least. They were starting to, a little bit. Yeah. They were building it. They haven't had much time. Yeah, I feel like Harry's nervous because the last time Snape did this, uh, Rebus turned out to be a werewolf. Yeah, so he's wondering what's going on. It's just like, like, is Moody dead? Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's war with Voldemort, and and there's you know stuff going on that that revolves around him. Mm-hmm. And so, in some way, yeah, he has the right to know, like what's going on. I mean. Snape ha- equally had the right to respond the way he did, but I I think that Harry can demand like knowing you know is is Moody dead? Because if Moody's dead, then that's important for the boy who lived to know. Mm-hmm. I would agree, but Snape refuses to answer him. So they get out of class and they decide they're going to go find Dumbledore and ask where Moody is. But Dumbledore has found them. And so then we have one of these scenes where we follow Dumbledore all the way up to his office after walking around the castle twice, and nobody asks any questions. And because the headmaster can't find a spare unused classroom. Right. They have to go up to the office where absolutely nobody can overhear them, and there's no shortcuts whatsoever. And it takes 20 minutes, and yeah, they and have they, to like have a breather halfway through because Dumbledore's so old, he's on that like walker with the tennis balls at the bottom. So they have to get him the oxygen tank. <laughs> uh. Uh, so, and we eventually get up there and discover that Moody has gone missing. There was a raid at Durmstrang. There's lots of bad juju that happens. And yep, Lucius was doing some recruiting out of Durmstrang, it looks like. Yep. And of course we can't talk about it because Draco, we shouldn't put the sins of his father on him. We need to consider that Draco could be redeemed. Draco can't be redeemed, but that has nothing to do with his father. (laughs) It might be done, but I don't think it's going to be done here. He hasn't been in the thick enough to be redeemed. Uh, And I did love to mention here that Dumbledore goes paragliding. Yeah, I love that. That, That's, you know, a great Dumbledore-esque Thing to do. Mm-hmm. He engages in all these muggle hobbies and he tries out different things and he it's like Dumbledore has a bucket list. And he says, oh, I'm going to go bungee jumping. Oh, I'm going to go jump out an airplane. Oh, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest. Oh. At like 130. Yeah. I can picture Dumbledore having a bucket list. Only it would have know. it would have weird things on it like successfully step into an alternate dimension and... <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it is. So, you know, and then, you know, I, I do also like that Dumbledore isn't candy-coating it for, or sugar-coating it for Harry. They're, you know, right. they, they they have captured him, and he's not going to give anything up, but that means Voldemort's going to kill him. Yep. And yeah. that's a, I mean... I, I you, do you, like the honesty. It's treating Harry as an adult, something that he always wishes they would. And he says, just, you know, be straight with me. Don't try and, and treat me like a kid. I'm not a kid, never have been. Well, and I think it's a continued, like, Harry isn't 15, he's the boy who lived. And he has to know this information because he's the boy who lived. And he's, you know, in some twisted way in his mind, 
thinks he thinks he's responsible for all this. So candy coating it isn't gonna, you know, giving him platitudes on this isn't gonna help him. He's not gonna want it. Right. So after getting this big load of heavy stuff dropped on him, Harry and Ron decide that they're gonna take a break from studying and they're gonna go flying. Well, first of all, Harry's chest monster makes an appearance. Oh, did it? I missed the chest monster. And um, he uh, he's he gets very angry that um, everyone else is in danger because of him. Because apparently the war is about him, and not you know the future of the you know wizarding race or muggles or anything like that. Right. So then, then they go back to the common room to study, but they don't want to study because Harry's very distracted. Um, so they decide to go flying. Flying! Because we Yay, haven't flying. had any flying in this fic whatsoever, and we need to have some flying. Yes, you need to... Uh, there hasn't been a Quidditch match or, or anything. But apparently there has. Well, uh, well there should have been. Of, I don't think we got well, much I mean, description there of There have it. been. It's just... It's kind of like classes. They exist, but, you know... No author's going to really write about it, because that's boring. Unless plot events happen during the Quidditch match. Right. And sometimes they write it just because you need, they feel like you have to write it, and they don't understand why you should skip it or just summarize it sometimes. Right. But, uh, sorry, I'm scrolling through the chapters trying to find out where we are. <laughs> I was going to just ask. They've decided to go flying, and Hermione is not having any luck studying either, so... Mm, okay. Yeah, well, Ron's asking them to go flying, and then Hermione shows up, and he says, Um, on second thought, I'll just go back up to my dorm room. Thanks. Because mm -hmm. she nails him with that look. Mm -hmm. And uh, Harry knows that the studying didn't go well for her either. Yeah. So she crawls up on the couch next to him, and they have a bit of a cuddle. Mm -hmm. And then we have a little bit of a flashback here mm -hmm. to how they got used to doing physical displays of affection in public. Yes, and thanks to the Slytherin girls. It's all the Slytherin's fault. It's always the Slytherin's fault. Not always. <laughs> there were some and apparently it's been noted that they don't snog in public where everyone can see. I mean, never mind that they've been ducking out of broom closets and stuff before now, but just because no one's seen them do anything, they must not be, and it's a farce, and he's gay, and she's gay, and wants to be with Ginny, and secretly have her bookish way with Ginny Weasley, and it's like, oh, come on. Yeah, he overhears these Slytherin girls talking in near Hermione so she can hear them that, you know, no boy had ever put her hand up his skirt and all of this. His stuff, skirt? Or her skirt. <laughs> Harry and, the crossdresser. Oh, well, you know, you never know. And, yeah, never snogger and never do all these different things. And so they stage this and the girls come upon him and he's kissing uh -huh. her and she's biting his yeah. neck. And they turn the corner and Harry just grabs her, shoves her up against the wall, like Gambin style. Mm -hmm. And... They start snogging, and he's got his hand up her skirt and his face in the crook of her neck. And Can I just say, I have yet to read a good Harry Potter femme flash, and I wish this author was going in that direction. <laughs> okay. Just because I haven't seen it before, and I think this author could pull it off. So I'm always, I'm always looking for things... I'm always looking so for things that are poorly written all the time and just, you know, need to be well-written. At least once. Yeah. Yeah. So the Slytherins around the corner, they get quite an eyefall, and 
all of a sudden the gossip is entirely different. Mm -hmm. But then we flash back to where they are on the couch, and she's like, Harry, I'm thinking that I should call, you know, Owl my mom and dad and ask if you can come to the Christmas holidays. And And Harry, of course, says, well, why would they want to do that? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, why not? This. You came for this summer. And he's like, yeah, but that was before we were together. Your parents aren't going to want to have anything to do with me now that we're together. And I don't want to impose. And, and, and you know, and she's finally says, okay, fine. I'll stay here. And he says, no, they'll hate me even more if I take you away from them. You have to go home and I'll stay. Because, you know, Harry, he's the noble one and he has to stay. Well, I think that this also doesn't entirely do have to do with being noble. I mean, when you're hanging out with a, like, I think this author was really original addressing this because it's never really addressed with the Weasleys because there are so many of them. Harry kind of gets to be lost in the crowd and it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But intruding on another family's Christmas is kind of a taboo and you don't do it. Yeah. Um... Because it's, you know, Christmas is a time for family, and, you know, it's one of those holidays that, it's like Thanksgiving here in America for Mm -hmm. people who are internet. Like, it's just, you don't cross that line, and for people who don't necessarily have families, it's this very awkward moment of, well, I don't have anywhere to go, so Mm -hmm. either I get to spend Christmas alone, which is depressing, right? or, you know, I be, I do something taboo and rude. Mm-hmm. Um, in polite society. So, I, I mean, I, I I get that Harry is being the self-sacrificing person right at this moment, but I think it's also having to do with, because he doesn't want to go to his Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia's because they won't have him. Right. He's got, he's got no family, so he's got no Christmas. He's never had a Christmas. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is so sad. And he's having trouble articulating what he means, too. And finally, she says, okay, fine. I'll go home without you if that's what you really want. And he says, Mm -hmm. I want to do this right. Yeah, well, the discussion there of, you know, going home with them or or staying at Hogwarts and being alone on Christmas is moot because she's going to stay there with him. Right, but he wants to spend Christmas with him. Yeah. Yeah. And he just says, oh, no, no, that's horrible. You, you, You can't do that. That'll never do. Mm-hmm. And so she says, you're not alone anymore. You know that, right? And he doesn't know how what to say. And he reaches over and he pulls the blanket that's draped on the couch over them and tucks it around them and they fall asleep on the couch together. I think logically he knows it, but I think to some degree he's always going to have this little part of him that's, you know, going to be an orphan and, and mm-hmm. you know, not really mm-hmm. know where he belongs. And I really like that Misanthropic uses this because it's very much, it's largely ignored in the canon. And it's one of the things I always really wanted to be a big part of canon. Mm-hmm. Because it connects him so much with Voldemort. Right. Because they're both in the same boat with that. I mean, Vol- what would have happened if Voldemort hadn't felt so alone, even in Hogwarts? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could have changed things a lot. So yeah. what you're saying is that all Voldemort needed was love? No, I'm, I'm saying that... If he hadn't had too many Christmases alone at Hogwarts, if he'd had a girl to stay there with him, everything would have been fine? I, I'm saying that... Didn't we cover a fic like that? I think we did. Yeah, we did. 
I think Hermione went back in time and, like, befriend, like fell in love with uh, Tom Riddle or something like that. Um, I've read that one, but... I've read that one. That was fun. I, I'm I'm saying that it's very hard to know what... It, it, I mean, it, it's back to Harry not knowing what love is. You know, Tom Riddle doesn't know what love is. And the only difference mm-hmm. is that Harry is people who love him. He doesn't know what love is, but he knows that people love him. And he's learning. And he's learning right. about love. Tom Riddle didn't... The, the You know, the, the real truth of the matter is... Tom Riddle didn't have somebody like Ron Weasley. Mm-hmm. So Ron Weasley saved the wizarding world. Yay for Mr. God, Weasley. that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably as depressing for me as it is for some other people that Narcissa saved the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. That's pretty depressing for me. So we moved to chapter 39, and we're yeah. having our midterms, basically. Yeah, and Hermione admits that something in history is boring, mm-hmm. which just makes so much happiness. And Trelawney does what we've always wanted her to do. Who? Trelawney. She tells them she doesn't. Have, they don't have to take their test because she already knows what grades they're going to get. And the um, boys are like, rem- "Yay!" This reminds me of um, a story my dad tells of when I was first teaching um, another professor who was retiring that year. All the students came in for, you know, a, uh, a final. You know, he had, like, two weeks left. He didn't really care that much. He was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is your final. And he has, like, this huge stack of papers. And he says, all of you who are okay walking out with a B, leave now, and I'll give you a B on your final. And, like, three-quarters of the class left. <laughs> and then he looks at, like, the last quarter is like, okay, you all get A's. Nice. And then, it was, I mean, so it's, I, I, this very much reminded me of, like, somebody who just doesn't care about grades. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, I'm going to just, like, pick them at random. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and, and, and Harry's trying to study history of magic, but he's, of course, fallen asleep on his history of magic book. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going to learn through osmosis. Mm-hmm. And Hermione's like, I heard what Trelawney did. What if she fails you? And he's like, I would have failed anyhow. What difference does it make? I just didn't have to take the test. Yeah, at least it's honest. Mm-hmm. And then Ron comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got a black eye. He does. Yeah. And he's And he's ranting annoyed. and raving because he caught Seamus and Jenny snogging. Blasphemy. <gasps> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Before he reveals it, you know, Harry is like, who? Was it Malfoy? And Ron's just like, I'd go wide, like, no! Don't eat, Merlin, don't even say that! Yeah. Well, that's even. Yeah. Hermione says that at one point. Ron's just going on and on, and she's like, it could be worse. He's like, how could it be worse? And she could have been snogging Malfoy. He's like, ah! (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. Actually, I've seen a lot like, of things Ron, they were just, mm-hmm. just tell us what happened. Seamus! That's what happened! Seamus Finnegan hit you? No! <laughs> <He doesn't> even... <laughs> Jenny hit me! No he, just... no, he doesn't even say no. He just goes on. You know, I've never liked that Seamus anyway, but you think you know someone. Yeah. And there are just things you don't do. Real lousy of him by all accounts. But I'm not done there, no. I blame her just as much as him. She's a <laughs> wild cat. 
<laughs> I know that, but it's my job to take her side, you know, even when she's being stupid. No gratitude. Yeah. I should just leave her be, snog his face off for all I care. And Harry is very confused. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Hermione's uh, like laughing. You know, she's trying hard not to laugh. And, and he's like, oh, you think it's funny? You knew, didn't you? And Hermione's like, no. And he's like, you did too. You girls always gossip. And she's like, no, really, I didn't know. And then Harry gets mad because he doesn't believe her. You know, Come on, Harry, let's go give him a pounding. He's playing his hands for our baby Fred. sister. I'll go get Rod. Or I'll get Fred. George. Fred and George. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that Jenny's the one who hit him. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is just awesome. I love that. Because I get to see that. It's the way it would work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the one that hit him. I mean, it's the way it would work. It's very in character. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And then especially, a little... Especially if you believe Ryan's version of Seamus Finnegan, who is three feet tall and a leprechaun. Yeah, that. <laughs> That's not right. And Ron goes off, and Harry looks at Hermione and says, you didn't know, did you? And she says, no, I didn't. And Harry believes that. And then an owl Which comes. I can, I can kind of see, like, the entire school wouldn't know, because everyone's all caught up on the Harry-Hermione drama. It's, like, Seamus yeah, and much Ginny. much bigger news. Kind of, mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're very under the because radar. Because he's Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. He's Harry Potter! He's Harry Potter! And we get a letter from Hermione's parents, and they're like, tell Harry that if he's got nothing else going, he can come. And Harry's immediately, I thought I told you not to ask them. And she's like, I didn't, I didn't, it's all their own idea. And he's like, yep. oh, well, maybe this is okay. Yep. And she begs that he'll come, and he says, all right, I guess I will. And so, mm -hmm. of course, they have to run upstairs and ask Dumbledore if it's okay. Whatever it thinks they're running off to snog. Well, yeah. and I like this because Hermione eventually gets the truth out of Harry. And, you know, it, it it's not, you know a saving people thing or a self-sacrificing thing. It's that it's normal kids get Christmas. He doesn't get Christmas. He's not normal. Mm -hmm. To which he, she immediately, like, just, like, tackle huggle pounces him and, and says, it's going to be great. Like, this is going to be your best Christmas ever. She's determined. So she lays a full-on, full-mouth kiss on him right in the middle of the Great Hall. And Harry says, already it's the best Christmas of his life. Mm -hmm. yep. So they dash out and go to speak with Dumbledore, and they want to ask Kimmy if she'll come visit again. Right. And Dumbledore says, well, you have to ask her, because she's a free elf, you know. Yeah. And, of course, Kimmy's in the middle of Christmas baking, because she's hoping that either one of them will come home, and neither one of them's planning on coming home. So I wonder who gets to eat all these treacle tarts. Harry will like them. Harry mm -hmm. loves treacle tart. He does. It's true. And can you imagine a household a house elf cooking Christmas dinner for muggles? Ooh, it'll be good. It'll yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. I just I just saw this note um, back in the incident with uh, Ginny and Ron and and Seamus. Mm -hmm. I, I forgot to mention this earlier. Ron threatened to spank Ginny. Oh, yeah. That's oh, that well. so bad. I missed that. Oh, he threatened to me. swat her and send oh. her to her room. Mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's when she decked him. Yeah. That's dirty. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Get your hair head out of there. 
Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> but I'm up there. Bad, 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 bad. Uh, well, I mean, you say spank, and it's like a romance spank. Yes, but it's Ron and Ginny and no. What? I'm saying no. No, no, no. Kimmy says that she'll go with them, which is nice. She'd be honored. I love that she's cooking, and she comes to the flu, and she's got oven mitts on her hands, and she doesn't know what to do with them, so she hangs them off her ears. I love that. <laughs> I get to see, like, a house health with, like, oven mitts on her ears, and perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I totally got it, too. It's fun. Yeah, they invite her to go with them, and Master Albus and Master Aberforth are Kimmy's boys, but they don't need her, so, oh, oh, my trickles, and off she dashes. And Dumbledore says, I trust I don't need to tell you that you need to be extra careful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Wear condoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you better go find uh, out if Mr. Weasley's calmed down a little bit, because mm-hmm. Dumbledore, of course, heard all about Ginny and Mr. Weasley, because, of course, the Hogwarts grapevine is... I don't understand why she wouldn't. he wouldn't call her Miss Weasley. Well, maybe he did, and I misread it. No, she he no, calls he her Ginny. He calls her right, Ginny. It's right now. Oh. Mr. Weasley and young Ginny. It's very odd. It is kind of odd. Yes. And we're jumping again. 240. Yeah, we're in chapter 40, and Voldemort has Ollivander. He does. And he is threatening him, and he wants the Priorian Cantatum effect removed from his wand. Yeah, and he's... Like, it, it's a software upgrade that he wants uninstalled. Yeah. And he's like, you can't do it. You can't. And they're like, I want it done. Voldemort's like, I want it done. And he's like, but you can't. There's no way. Yeah, I just I, What I don't understand is why he do, just doesn't get a different wand. Because if the effect is caused by the brother wands, well, why, why doesn't he think of getting a different wand? He's right. kidnapped Ollivander. Make me a powerful wand. Well, that makes sense to me. But apparently we're smarter than Voldemort. We're not evil Dark Lords. We don't have his vision. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And so they bring in his granddaughter. Yeah, and she's not a wand maker. No, but she's great leverage. Yes, and he's threatening her, and Ollivander says, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do what I tell you cannot be done, but he's going to (laughs) try. It totally reminds me of Scotty. But Captain... (laughs) I cannot break the laws of physics. <laughs> and That's it's it. like, I'm picturing him doing open wand surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, removing the inner core and replacing it with something else. Yeah, with a different phoenix feather or something. But see, the and thing is, is that the wand chooses the master, so you have to have a variety of wands. I don't know. Yeah. Can, can he and I'm sure there's got to be wand? another wand that would accept Voldemort. Oh, yeah. But do you, uh, this gets you into the wand lore. He's got a huge variety of wands, and people go through until they find their right one in his shop. Yeah. But can he custom make one to somebody, or does it have to be that the wand chooses and that you have to go through each one? Because if that's It might the be case, possible to find ingredients such as the wood and the core that you can determine an affinity for a person, and then you can use those to make the wand. That makes um, sense. But it might be the wand would be different, because, I, I mean, we know Harry takes forever to find the right wand that he's destined for, mm-hmm. but I really wonder how it was with Tom Riddle. Right. 
How hard was it out. for him to find that wand? I don't think it was anything unusual. Yeah, that's something we'll have to wait for the Scottish book or Pottermore for. What? We are just discussing Tom Riddle's wand and the possibility of having a different one made for him or just finding a different one in the shop or whether you have it made specifically for him or mm-hmm. whatnot. And we're discussing wand lore a little bit, which well, is one of the parts I'm very excited about Pottermore. Yeah, yeah I think before um, Deathly Hallows also, a lot of fans had this idea that um, Wizards only had one wand in life. Right. But that's not backed up, because what did Ron have? He had Charlie's old wand. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's not backed up, but, I mean, then he got his one wand. And um, I think Neville used his father's wand. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, I, I feel like bo- in both those cases, they didn't get the results that they should have gotten. Right. But I think in fandom, a lot of the times, there was one one that was perfect. It was it, It's like that whole concept of there being somebody's one true love out there. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of fans romanticized the whole one. And so I can kind of... Yeah. Well, to be fair, it really wasn't brought up until book seven. And then yeah. people are stealing wands all over the place. Yep. I, it was interesting how the fan fiction changed after that. Oh, yeah, yes. I'm sure. But Harry wakes up from this terrible dream, and he's fighting with his jaguar self, and he mm-hmm. wants to turn, he wants to turn, and he's screaming, and lights are coming on in the dorm room, and Ron, showing that he is intelligent, runs and gets Hermione because he doesn't know what to do with Harry, and yep. Harry's just barely, you know, he's good, he just wants to destroy something. And she tells them to draw his curtains and give him privacy. And I'm sure that she puts on a silencing charm. She, I don't think it says that, but she has to. And she kind of crawls in underneath him and says, go ahead and change. Go ahead. And he mm-hmm. does. And he just rips the beds to shreds, but he doesn't touch her. Right. And, of course, he screams as a jaguar, which is why I think that they put a silence. She put a silencing charm up. Mm-hmm. Right. And that release lets him calm down. So. And they decide they're going to go tell Dumbledore. And I thought this yep. was an in- interesting, you know, why students don't um, train to be animaguses, because I'm sure, you know, students would have bad dreams. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this reaction would probably be, like, normal. Yeah, but I think that probably Harry's dreams are worse than anybody's. Oh, I think I definitely... They're worse, but I think this would be an, a normal reaction to a bad dream. I think Harry's standard of what a bad dream w- is is different mm-hmm. than anybody else's. But, like, uh, I mean, everyone has had bad dreams where they wake up screaming, like, either screaming or, you know, they're kind of, like, startled. And there's, like, it takes a minute to real, you know, to be like, I'm in reality now. That yeah. wasn't real. Right. You wake up and you go, oh, I'm not really naked in school or at work or... Mm-hmm. I wish I had those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all that fun. No, no, but no, but I'm saying, like, my bad dreams, like, last night I dreamed that I killed somebody and I was, like, fighting to cover it up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I can see this. Uh, so they go to tell Dumbledore yeah. what's going on. And they run into Nick and they, Nick's like... Gee, Harry, you don't look well. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "Yeah, I know. You, I need to to talk to Dumbledore." And so, you know, it's Voldemort. And so Nick goes and lets 
the headmaster know they're coming and they get there and he says, Okay. That Dumbledore's like, I see that clears up a bit of a mystery. We've been trying to figure out why he kidnapped a Wandsmith, which makes no sense to me. I mean, I realize yeah. that I'm the not uh, a wizard and I'm not a CSI, but my two and two together makes four. If you kidnap a Wandsmith, it probably means you want wands. Oh, immediately when when in book six was it that we heard that Ollivander was missing? Mm-hmm. I immediately went, oh, Voldemort's trying to fix Priory and hit him. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's not hard. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Well, yeah. apparently it does with Dumbledore's case. I don't know. Yeah. Well, this Dumbledore isn't too smart. No. No, we've already seen that. He's he's having trouble. And Hermione <laughs> wants to know if it's even possible, and he says, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. But, well, what does Dumbledore know about it? Yeah, well, Dumbledore's, you know, he's the most powerful wizard of all time. He Powerful bullshit. He's not a wandsmith. He doesn't know all the secrets of wand lore and wand crafting and all that. I, I call shenanigans. All right, you can have shenanigans. <laughs> and then Dumbledore but. rethinks letting them go to the Granger's house. Because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Lord Voldemort is planning something. And they're like, but, but we have to go and we'll have Kimmy and she's perfect. And we can always sneak through the closet back into the school and nobody'd ever know. So and, it, and it's not like I mean I love this. Dumbledore is concerned over Harry being at a muggle's house, but he's not concerned at all about Harry going to Hogsmeade every month or so. Well, that's because he's a staked goat. Come on. The dichotomy is very strange. Mm-hmm. I just I but I mean it's completely in character. I just think it's hilarious that you know I know. Yeah. And he sends so. them off to bed. And he doesn't say <clears throat> alone, which he probably should have. And they trek back, and they don't want to be alone, so they sleep again together. Uh-huh. And I can't remember if they're on the couch. Yeah, they're back on the couch again. They're talking about the jaguar here and mm-hmm. keeping and control. And you're just asking. They're just asking that they're gonna fall asleep on top of each other and then wake up in you know like it. In a compromising position, and Ron's mm-hmm. gonna find them, and yeah, or no, the entire dorm is gonna find them. Yeah, yeah the, the whole house. Come and wake them up before then. It'll be fine, fine. That's I tell you, true. fine. Well, the thing is, Harry wakes up, and Hermione's gone, and he opens his eyes and sees her and Ron standing a few feet away talking. Yeah, and so I like this. It's. It's Ron being rational and not exploding all the time. And when he's not exploding all the time, I can like him. Yay! Yay. I can't, but my problems with Ron are not about his emotions. So, we move into chapter 41, and we have a note about Christmas chapters are coming in, and the author admits that she's American, doesn't have any British friends, so this is a very American Christmas. Which is fine. And they're on the train ride home, and Ron is... Ron has a one-track mind. It's called Seamus. Yes. And, 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 you know, speaking of reasons why I can't stand Ron, this is why I can't stand Ron. Because he prattles on, and he prattles on, and he impugns Seamus' character. He has has a one-track mind. If Hermione could get away with it, she'd have stunned him here. Yeah. And I really like how Harry tricks him into leaving the compartment. Mm-hmm. And says, ah, Ginny's riding with her friends, is she? Well, of course she is. A- 
I don't know. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Hermione's like, thank you. <laughs> and they say, yeah, but Ginny's probably going to be kind of mad that we set him on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they have a tickle fight. Yeah, Hermione discovers that Harry's ticklish. Mm-hmm. And, he, so and Ron he's comes never back. Dis- yeah, and Ron discovers this, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Oi!" Yeah, it's worse than Ginny. Stop that. <laughs> Ron is like the police of what? What would you say this? Like the the prude police? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You can you can picture him. When Umbridge is in charge in the movie montage and people are like sliding apart and stuff, and you can picture Ron standing there nodding approvingly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I could. I. I could see if circumstances were different, Ron signing up for that for the Inquisitorial Squad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I could see it too. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut and. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! Don't, so they, don't that. I want to hear. No. Uh, I, I'm in pain. We're going to keep going. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. No, I don't in pain, so... We get there, and of course we find Mrs. Weasley quickly because she's big and boisterous and red-haired and it's easy to find. And so they wave Ron off, and then uh, Hermione spots her parents, and they head off to find them, and he's not really... Harry's not sure. He, he stops Hermione, and he says, Have you told them about us? And she says, not yet, but we will. It'll be fine. They're not going to be, you know, upset. They like you. It's, you know, they're not going to stop just because we're together. And Harry's like, are you sure? Because I'm not sure about this whole thing. And Miranda Uh greets her with a happy Christmas and a big hug. And Jake greets him with a handshake. And he says, thank you for inviting me. And they're like, don't be silly, dear. We're happy to have you with us. Yeah. This is all very nice. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Miranda so, wants to know how his clothes are fitting. And he's like, they're good. They're fine. <laughs> Everything's great. <laughs> I don't want to go shopping again. No more shopping, please. He's pants down. <laughs> he, he's doing the whole lowrider thing to make sure they're long enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Which is hysterical. Mm-hmm. And we move on to the last chapter that we're doing. And, and it's from Jake's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I really like this. He's slowly come around to the idea of Harry, and he's, he's accepted that Harry exists and is involved in a nice friendship with his daughter, and he's of conflicted feelings about him as a potential son-in-law and boyfriend of his daughter and, and, and whatnot. And so they go to the station, and he sees all the interactions, and he says, Ah, nothing's changed. Yeah. Magnificent. And then Miranda goes, isn't it cute they're in love? And he's like, what? How did you see that? That's not true. I didn't see any of that. And she just goes, oh, really? Well, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. And he says, my God. She's 15. (laughs) And of course, the rest of us in the audience are going, she's 15. Yeah, they're of age in two years. It's yeah. And even Miranda says it's a, she's at an age where we'd expect this to start happening. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. should be thankful. He's like, thankful? Harry's a good guy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's just like what they say to Ron about Seamus in the previous chapter. Well, it could be worse. It could be Draco. Right. It Can you be. imagine Hermione bringing Draco home? Did someone say Draco Malfoy? Oh, oh no. Yeah, that would not go well. 
Draco uh, would not go home. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, he, she's gone to Jake even beforehand and said, we need to include Harry in Christmas because if we make her choose between us, we're going to... We may not like that day. choice. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it can't be like that. And she's like, oh, yeah, dear, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, ye yeah. of little faith. Mm-hmm. And so they go in, and, and then Kimmy trots in, and she sits down. I love Kimmy. She trots in and sits down on the counter and drag, dangles her feet over the edge, and she's like at a tennis match, right? She's all ready for this match. She's ready for yeah, it. Bing, 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 bing. Here come the kids, and they're like, uh, we've got something to tell you. And Jake's stomach falls, and Miranda's like, I knew it. Yeah, which is so cute. And they handle it well. And I, mm-hmm. what I really enjoy here is that Miri asks Kimmy to keep an eye on them and make sure they're not too naughty. Yes. Well, she doesn't say that. Kimmy does. I thought that was hysterical coming from the elf. She's like, could you please, you know, we're going to be at work and they're going to be at home alone. Could you just keep an eye on them? And Kimmy's like, I'll make sure they're not naughty. And, you know, Hermione and Harry blush red, beat, beat red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, let's see. I'm looking for what Miranda says here. And Jake, um, Harry, here it, here it is. Well, it seems as if we have a couple of love-struck teenagers in the house, and Jake and I will be at work for most of the day. Do you think you could keep an eye on them for us and make sure nothing too inappropriate happens? Yeah. And Jake just thinks, Miranda, you are nothing short of a genius. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's true. I mean, you gotta have somebody to keep an eye on them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just humor then, us, honey. I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think it's too much If you're much not gonna to get up to anything, then you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, and we are letting your boyfriend stay over. <laughs> Which is just awful. Uh, she's just and looking then, so mortified, and Harry's like, "Yes, you're right. You're right." And then, and then Jake takes Harry into the other room. Mm-hmm. And um, he has the, if you break her heart, I'll break your legs conversation. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is um, great, because Harry totally believes him. Yeah. I may not be a powerful wizard, but I can break your legs. Well, I, yes. I, you know, I'm just thinking, like, that's not, like, the thing to tell a kid who has actually suffered child abuse. Well, but still. I mean, it's what a father is going to say. So. Oh, it's, it's totally a character, but it's just like... Mm, that's not the right thing to say right now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that you're kidding. He thinks you're serious. No, oh, I don't know if Jake but, knows he's kidding. Jake's half serious, too. Yeah, he says, I'm not trying to scare you away, but you need to understand that if you hurt her, I will hurt you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is completely predicated on your actions here. Yeah. Right. And Harry um, says, I'll never hurt her, and I just want her to be happy. And Jake right. says, cool. Yeah. Then we're good. Yep. Yep. We're good. And he says, "Do you, Harry, do you have any idea what a treasure you found in Hermione? And he says, I have a fair idea. Mm-hmm. And then they go back in to join the women before Hermione comes out and wants to know what's mm-hmm. going on. Yep. And that's where and the chapters end for tonight. Yep. Yeah. So. We're, we're getting exciting. And, we are know, getting exciting. It's like Detril said, I really like this characterization of Ron. I, I like that he's not a complete idiot, and he's not a complete asshat. And he could be, and a lot of people write him to be in these situations. Mm-hmm. But he's he's given every situation in which to be an asshat, yes. and he's not taking the opportunity. 
No. I mean, the, the I things really, that really, really frustrate writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the things that really frustrate me about Ron are still there, which you know, in in some ways, I'm I'm the person that reads things and I want to dislike certain characters, just because I think that's part of any reading experience. Is some come some characters you're gonna like and some characters you're gonna not. Mm-hmm. And having a ha- having a story where you you like all the characters is stupid, frankly. So I'm glad that she kept his um, bad qualities, but I also like mm-hmm. that he's not throwing up emotion everywhere. Right. Yeah. This characterization is very well-rounded. It's got mm-hmm. the good points and the bad points that we know from the canon, and it's bringing all of them into the story rather than just some of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This isn't a flanderization of the character. This is the character. Right. Well, yeah, that's that, that's exactly it. It's not, you know, what we normally get in fan fiction, which is fabulous. And Dumbledore, he's not quite there yet. No, he's Dumbledore, I, Dumbledore, I think... <laughs> Dumbledore has an Alzheimer's. Yeah. Yes, he's older than he's ever been, and he's starting to lose it. Yeah, he's got the tennis got balls the, on the walker. Yeah, he's got these ridiculous plans. Mm-hmm. That, like, oh, yes, we're going to use Harry as bait. And hopefully Voldemort shows up. Yeah, what could go wrong? And, and and I so hope that, you know, we get the scene where Lily comes back as a ghost to slap Dumbledore silly for that one. <laughs> yes. And and, yeah. and he deserves it. He does! He, did. he, he did. totally would deserve that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and, but this is like, you know, the cost of being Harry is that no one is going to look out for him. Right. Mm-hmm. The plan is just so simplistic, and they think it's great, and it's Dumbledore's plan. He It, it must be great, because he came up with it, because he's the greatest wizard who ever lived, and yep. it, this is a dumb we need, plan. We need, and, and mm-hmm. You know what? We need Maggie, Maggie Smith playing Minerva McGonagall, because all I can see when I'm thinking about this is um, the, the scene in Goblet of Fire where she goes, to hell with Barté! And it's just like, yes! Thank you! Somebody actually said something! <laughs> yes. And it's like, this Dumbledore needs somebody to say no to him. Mm-hmm. And this is why we yeah. need Hermione's chest monster. Yes. Yes. So. So. Uh, I, it, it's like we said when it happened, it like Ron is like, wow, I can't believe you're talking back to Dumbledore! Because okay. it's simply not the done thing. But, you sometimes you have to stick up for yourself. And Absolutely. Totally. So, um, I have a Did you hear that? <laughs> Okay, never mind. I'm looking forward to seeing Christmas. I think I'm curious about... Yeah. Very I think we had curious. a really good breakdown of chapters for tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we carried the characters along in a pretty good arc. Yes. And I like how they're growing. I like how they're maturing. And I'm happy with the story as it's written so far. Yes, I'm very much. And it it might be- not, I mean, I'm warning you, Death, it might not land in my top ten, but <laughs> it's pretty good. Hey. Well, I'm glad you're in that, that, that top ten has several empty slots. <laughs> so. so it's possible. It's possible. All right, well, All right. join us next week when we do the next 11 or so chapters. Uh, we have two more podcasts left, and next week, I mean, uh, whenever the heck it comes out. <laughs> there you go. And we'll be finishing this up soon, and we'll see where we go from there. There's only one fic left after this one of this particular season, so 
We're I feel like we have to have, we have to have some sort of um, cast party or something. Yeah, because we didn't have a season ender mm-hmm. last season. Yeah, that makes sense. This is true. Yeah, I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to go back in and do that. But it's like, okay, I, go back in and do that or edit what I have to edit. Go back in, you know. <laughs> I definitely approve of Ryan's plan of never doing uh, clip shows again. Mm-hmm. Because they're just too hard to orchestrate. Yeah. But we oh, can God, do a yes. season finale. We can invite other people and it would be fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's definitely. Shall we say goodnight? Yes. Good night, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. Good night. Night. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.